0: You are listening to the Bondzilla Podcast. The Bondzilla Podcast is normally a bi-monthly analysis of two of cinema's longest-running franchises, James Bond and Godzilla, but this week we give you a little bit of an extra episode. It's a review of the most recent Godzilla release, 2019's Godzilla King of the Monsters. Hello everybody. Welcome to a very special edition of the Bondzilla podcast. Getting some real extra content uh, yes. this month. This real full extra content. Necessary
1: content. This is but this is this is this bonus content or more of just like kind of like it's like a bonus trip to like the doctors,
0: because you have to do it. Cause well, I mean, we, we don't have to do it. We're like, going to wait like a whole year. Until I mean, like, we just it, didn't. <laughs> we don't have. We didn't have to do this. We're just doing this because, you know, I'm sure the people want to hear we gotta thoughts. give we gotta
1: give the people what they well, want
0: we, you know i guess like we we could be relevant i mean we've talked about all these movies <laughs> in the past right right we we could talk about the movies of the now yeah uh, it, w- it would almost it's almost as if as
1: content creators it's the responsible thing to do yeah but
0: like we really yeah. didn't have to do it we could have just kept going in order what's great news for you guys for you listeners yes is that This is not going to replace our two main timeline episodes this month. We're still going to be doing Casino Royale 67. We're still going to be doing Mega Gearist is our next Godzilla one. Uh, So you're going to get both of those, but you get another full-length episode. And you know what? Most people would be putting this on their Patreon. This would be a Patreon-exclusive episode, but not us, because we're totally not popular enough to have a Patreon (laughs) <laughs> who the hell is gonna pay for this shit <laughs> um yeah
1: no that what, what you said uh but hopefully uh what i'm looking forward to with this one is as you said it is our first recent release uh, so therefore the the internet being what it is uh maybe a little bit more uh, uh timely yeah. so that people may jump onto this episode so for those of you who may find this episode, via, because that's how sometimes a lot of people hop onto episodes, like yeah. Big Movie comes out and then they find like the podcast, so if you are one of those people who find the podcast uh, with this uh, recent release and you want to hear our thoughts, first of all, welcome and uh, thank you that you're giving us a shot and hopefully... Uh, you enjoy um, our ramblings, and if you enjoy them, you can uh, go see the plethora of other uh, ramblings that we have yeah. on, on on the show. You know, we've been
0: getting really good reviews. Yeah. On, uh, on the-
1: Thank you for everybody uh, who has been writing, writing in reviews. Um, you know, like you said, we're not a super popular thing, but ultimately, we do this uh, because we like doing it. Uh, I know I tell Nick that, and he doesn't believe me for some reason, uh, but... Uh, we definitely enjoy uh, just uh, dissecting these movies, two series that we've either loved or come to love uh, from across the table, and um, it and it's great that um, anybody of any of you that are listening um, that you are enjoying it too. So thank you for thank you for that.
0: Yeah, dude, uh, Buddha's evil twin and uh, Mister Extraordinaire both great reviews on on iTunes I just want to shout both of you guys out yeah absolutely. Those, those are very nice he didn't I know we say like and subscribe, leave you know, leave a comment or review. No, it means it means like, it, it means really, a lot. It means a lot, and so, um, thank you guys. And uh, yeah,
1: so uh, yeah, so let's let's uh, let's get down
0: to the subject at hand. Let's Nick. get down to business. To defeat the Huns, the, yeah, but um, unfortunately,
1: the Huns are not just some you know people that you know you can uh, squash a mountain on. Uh, that's a Mulan reference. Yeah. Uh, in this case, our uh, our villain of choice. is... Is a fierce uh, three-headed dragon in the form of great uh, American special effects uh, as he clashes with our King of the Monsters, which is the title of our film. We are going to be discussing 2019's this year, released by Legendary, the second film in the Godzilla-like Godzilla portion of the Monster Universe, the third uh, film in Legendary's Monster Verse. Uh, directed by, I've been mispronouncing his name, I'll pronounce it right this time, uh, Michael Dougherty, um, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, uh, just released. Cue uh, this, the Claire de Lune. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just uh, uh, just released, this is opening weekend. Um, I think that the way that we're going to do this, uh, for those of you listening, I think we will do a just a, a very brief uh, general thoughts uh, before the official spoiler warning tag but to let everybody know I think for the sake of the conversation uh, we are approaching this as if we approach any of the other movies that we've yeah. done um, so uh, we're,
0: we're essentially doing this like n- not n- generally as like a regular episode but basically as a regular episode so we're just going to talk about the movie moments that we liked you know analyze it thematically yeah. but we will not shy away from from the spoilers yeah no this
1: is, is for i i will say when we're going to go into full spoilers like So we'll deep, keep it general spoilers. uh for now um obviously we're going to get into i think we're going to be pretty open about like maybe some of the plot details uh, in the movie but we'll, we'll keep it broad and mm-hmm. just talk about general feelings but ultimately Big spoiler episode. Yeah. So if you haven't seen the movie what I mean, like, come back know, I, and listen to it. I guess we it. do
0: have to say it because this is a modern release and like all our other like yeah, we're not gonna really give a spoiler warning on Thunderball. It's been out for fifty years at this point. No, yeah, exactly. One hundred percent. But this one is, you know, a re, you know, it came out in our timeline, uh <laughs> two days ago, like Thursday night. So uh yeah. or actually, well, really last night, mm-hmm. but Saturday, two nights ago. You know, the whole, the whole thing about recording podcasts is that, you know, time wise can be really, really weird. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so definitely spoilers ahead. So if you have not seen it yet and you want to support the Bonzilla podcast, you know, skip it to the end so it like counts the play and then and <laughs> that's even more nefarious.
1: I didn't even think about
0: that. And, I just like And dude, then you come can back. and then you can listen to it again and it'll give right. us another
1: play. Well you're you're really you're really cheating the system there, mm-hmm. it seems.
0: So Godzilla so
1: Godzilla King of the Monsters. Um so walking out of it initially, just a great time with the movie. It's 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 so much it's so much fun just on that level of being a movie as a Godzilla fan. Uh, I ultimately, when people have been asking me what I thought about it, and I, my answer has kind of always been the same, I ultimately am picking up what Doherty's putting down, mm-hmm. is like how I've described the movie. I've seen it twice, admittedly my second viewing was much more favorable, and not to make it seem like my first one wasn't favorable, there was just, there was a lot of stuff about the movie that just worked for me considerably more the second time around, mm-hmm. uh, going to see it, Um the the one thing like i love the biggest thing i've been praising about this movie is and i've been kind of like on the just getting getting more entrenched in um kind of like it, it, in my in my words expressing like what i feel like these toho uh, uh monster kaiju movies are about how they're prioritize they're very unique a subgenre of movies that prioritize like craft and theme over like character and story so and I think that as we've talked about these movies, I latch on to a lot of the as much as I love my Ghidras and my uh um you know King Kongs versus Godzilla, like the ones a lot of the Godzilla movies that stand out to me, even if they have some shortcomings, are the ones that really tap into something that I think is like thematically um interesting uh for me. And I felt like this movie ultimately fit proudly into that canon of Godzilla movies to the point that the way I would describe this movie is like this is a very solid hasty era Godzilla film mm-hmm. um and and I mean that in all the the best ways and so with all that said the one thing um that uh, that I would say about it is that there are some shortcomings um I do think that, um, I, I won't get into sp- the specifics of the shortcomings. Um, some of them were alleviated, um, the, the second time around. And then some of them are just like, okay, th- yeah, th- these are things that I just think, like, maybe the film falls a little bit short of. Yeah. Um, I think, um, I don't want to speak for you. I, you'll, you'll speak for yourself. But, uh, cause we, I think we were both similar in that, um, we both enjoyed the first one, uh, more. Mm-hmm. But, um, I did, but ultimately I I was, ultimately I walked out of this, um, just ready to dive into it because maybe, you know, that's just me. I'm, I'm ready yeah. to dissect these things, read way too much into them. Um, and then as I've been diving into them, I, I feel like that there's some very interesting stuff hearing Doherty talk about the film, a lot of like what he is putting down, um, just resonates with me and i and i can't wait to talk about it um but yeah uh overall if you were to ask me like i because i know my rankings of these movies pretty well and you know i know it's like very early but you know my top five is still the same i would say that it just cracks my top 10 um big fan uh, like overall ultimately fan of the movie uh and i can't wait to talk about talk about it more
0: yeah yeah (laughs) uh, for me, I mean, I also very much enjoyed it. Um, I think gut ranking wise, I mean, a good place to put it would be like right now, because I haven't seen all the Godzilla movies, so it's hard to kind of really say where it will end up, sure. knowing that we, I still have a couple more to actually rank and see for the first time. Um, Like right now, it kind of sits in that kind of 8, 9, 10 spot somewhere. Mm. I mean, I haven't really decided exactly where, but it's a movie that I probably will just... I can guesstimate probably will be either just at the edge of the top 10 or right outside the top 10. I mean, my, 10. mine's f- fairly similar. Yeah. Like, mine's, like, um, just in that in, in that top so 10. So, I definitely enjoy the movie. I do think it's a movie, and I say this with all the love in the world, but it's a movie that's enhanced by the fact that we've been doing this podcast. Um, Because there's just... I, I just kind of more get... It
1: opera like I, like, I don't think that's, like, as... Because I know how that can come off, like, because you kind of get into that whole, like, well, you need to be a fan to get yeah. it. And... I I don't think you're saying that as much as it, like, it definitely is enhanced. It's enhanced by
0: knowing these creatures and and knowing kind of the legacy of this franchise. Um, I definitely have lots of thoughts on the the monster aspects, Mm -hmm. um, especially because these are all monsters that we're very familiar with. Mm -hmm. Um, I genuinely just had a fun time. Mm -hmm. Uh, I thought the. I mean, it's like hard, but just, you know, it's one of hard for me to really talk about it in terms of, uh, without kind of getting into the, the real nitty gritty of, <laughs> of it. But I think thematically it's very strong. Uh, I do, I do think that some of the criticisms people have been lobbying at it are valid. I think most of them feel a little bit harsh for what the movie is. Um, I, but De- I, I generally agree with you in that if, if if uh, twenty fourteen really kind of captures that like early Showa era mm-hmm. um, feeling of like you know fifty four and like what what Rage again tries to do, um, this one definitely fits in more of like that kind of mid hasty era. Like fit would fit right alongside like Godzilla two or Biolanti. Yeah, uh, to it, to it, me like this would be if. if
1: if this was a Hasey in the Hasey film, this would be for me like a favorable, uh, like one of the more favorable. in yeah. no, it, it in the would top be it, Hasey. It films. would be up there in the, yeah. in the Hasey films for sure. It's um, definitely like is above, which is good because like that, you know, that's that's as Godzilla fans, that's pretty good praise. Only because like that is maybe I think like the best era of uh, well, at least for me, it's like mm-hmm. one of the the more famous uh, yeah. best eras. And of. I and
0: I think that like it, it's comparable in a lot of ways. It's comparable in the monster action how the monsters are treated thematically and even how the human characters function is like, even how a, the if, plot if, structured in, is in very, very hasty. yeah, it's, it's all very hasty era. Um, I do want
1: to, I do want to echo a sentiment that you said, because I think I would pretty much say the same thing where, um, I, again, while I ultimately, and again, with a second thing, like I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the movie and I really like it. And your mileage will vary on certain aspects that mm-hmm. we'll talk about. Um, I'm not going to attack anybody because I get the criticisms. I I understand. It's a
0: movie that I watch and I understand how you could not like it. Yeah. Like, you know, there are some movies where it's like, I enjoy it so much that I'm like, how could you not, you know, you can, you kind of get into that mindset, but this is a movie when I really like reflect on it. It's like, I like this. It's really kind of captures a lot of that stuff that I love about mm-hmm. Godzilla and like what we've enjoyed in the franchise so far. But it like if you were coming out this at as an outside observer, yeah. and again, it's not to say that you need to watch these films because I think you can enjoy this movie without having you, you know just having seen twenty fourteen. I think yeah. it's, I think this movie does a lot that will still make you enjoyable. But I can understand if you don't. Like, but actually, I, 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 I do understand. But it's interesting that. because they're
1: again, and not to get too deep into the in the weeds on this, but. The reception of this this has been interesting because there have been a varied reaction for maybe people who are not as initiated in, into this movie. Like mm-hmm. I, I think, but I I will say like and again echoing what you said, I am with you. Like I get it, I understand it. Um, and again, it's more for me. Your mileage may vary on the certain things. I do think that the criticisms being laid at it are very harsh. Mm-hmm. I think that. Um and I think that to the point of I do think it it misrepresents the movie some of it yeah. um i I do think it's one of those things like especially watching it I, I saw it again and the buddy we saw it with like uh who was favorable towards it did feel like I mean it's like even, even if you don't – because he could understand like if you – oh, yeah. So our buddy Patrick. Sorry. Oh, you We've meant his mentioned name, him yeah. on the
0: podcast <laughs> multiple I, times. Well, I wasn't
1: trying to be coy. I just didn't mention his name. But it, it was – well, I don't want to speak for him either. Like yeah, you know, I don't want to dox him. <laughs> I don't want to dox his brain, his thoughts. But I, we were both – I will put it this way. We were both on the same page that like – like I, I guess we could understand critically. But ultimately like we just didn't get like why this would make – people so mad mm. like you know what I mean yeah
0: <laughs> at least I I just thought like, like you, you yeah know, I yeah. think that's really the case though in terms of why the criticisms feel harsh because I can understand having criticisms against this movie but there is that feeling that some of those criticisms are just like their people are just laying on lay, yeah. laying on the thickness of that that hatred yeah for it or or the kind of that sort of anger towards it and it just doesn't feel like it's a movie that deserves that type of ire and it just determines like more so like just kind of that calmer analysis yeah and i kind of um have and
1: i mean there have been great like reviews and analyses on them and one of them being my favorite that more or less echoes my sentiments uh of it um but i also think is like a good like what i like to see as analysis of a movie it's on um it's on Roger The Matt Zoller sites uh, uh, review mm-hmm. of it. I, I reposted it on my um, my own Twitter. Uh, but you know that that's the kind of like measured kind of like criticism I'm just kind of like shouting out like if anybody wants to have a good read yeah. o- on the movie um but I but overall like I, I think it's gonna be exciting I I am stoked to dive into this movie yeah. I think I'm ready for
0: spoilers yeah like, so I'm... so that so that's what we think we're both we're, we're both, both favorable. Fans. we're both favorable to yeah. this movie we both like 2014 better yes which is interesting considering that you know we'll get to 2014 and talk well, about the reception the, about the, the that. one
1: thing the last thing I'll say before getting into to spoilers that um the one thing i will say about this movie that thematically and message wise this may be my favorite of the three and i think that it has ambition in that area that um that is unique amongst the, the movies thus far where i think that the kong movie is great craft of making that b action movie mm-hmm. like the first two movies are like i think more excellently like crafted as movies whereas this movie to me had that Godzilla fan wanting to say wanting to present a different unique view on these creatures mm-hmm. and I think that that went a long way for me so so that's where we are with the movie uh it we are at the 25 minute mark let's talk spoilers where 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 do we start where do we start from here should like nick do do we mention That like oh man let's just lay down all the spoilers. Do we talk about how like you know Godzilla gets dropped from the atmosphere at one point? Do we talk about dude? Ghidorah is an alien. Yeah, (laughs) this movie is an alien. Aliens, like oh oh my god. So where do we start? I guess like as we start with like every movie, uh, all the movies we talk about, we should talk about the plot. Yeah. Um and uh, so this movie. Um, takes place um, five years after the events of uh, San Francisco, the San Francisco event in mm-hmm. the 2014 Godzilla movie, uh, and then we follow uh, characters played by uh, Vera Farmiga and uh, Millie Bobby Brown, the Russells. Uh, Vera Farmiga playing Dr. Emma Russell and Millie Bobby Brown playing her daughter Madison Russell. Um, as um, they, uh, we're basically following up with them and Monarch, living in a post godzilla has
0: been revealed
1: world right and now there's a lot of that
0: everybody knows that these titans exist
1: yeah the the, the tight that these the, the, uh what they've been dubbed are as titans they exist the world's like what do we do about it some of the world some a lot of the world's like you got to destroy them they're dangerous monarch wants to protect them there's one guy in a crowd holding a sign that says destroy all monsters so that's kind of cool um and uh so that's where we're at. And then what happens is that um Dr. Emma Russell has this technology for Monarch, uh, which is dubbed the Orca, which is a way of communicating with the monsters yes. uh, using bio oops, bioacoustics. Um, and uh, that uh, technology falls may fall into the wrong hands, or do they? Ooh. maybe they were always in, in the, the wrong, in the wrong hands. <laughs>
0: meanwhile, so like that's part of it uh meanwhile again dr sarazawa uh, ken watanabe's character mm-hmm. uh from 2014 come is alongside thomas Middleditch and sally hawkins Sa- sally hawkins yeah. uh are are trying to protect these these monsters um And so at one point, yes, it seems like the Orca and the Russells have been kidnapped. So they go to Kyle Chandler, who plays basically Vera Farmiga's ex-wife. I was going
1: to say, he basically plays Kyle Chandler. Who gives better Kyle Chandler than Kyle Chandler? No, not not many more people.
0: So basically, he's not playing like a cop in this one or anything like that. He's He's just kind of more a photographer or something.
1: Well, no, he... So this actually... One of the things about this movie that... Again, and this always happens with like when you see movies the next time. When you watch movies a second time, sometimes you ever find that like, oh, there's like so many plot details that I just missed. Yeah, that kind of like, oh, well, that paints this a lot differently. Well,
0: especially you, huh? You yeah, it happens to you all the time.
1: What do you mean?
0: Oh, well, you're always missing plot details. What
1: are you what are you trying to say?
0: Well, this is, I don't know. will you call me dumb? No, <laughs> no, no. Saying, I, I, yeah. You're I, always like, you're always like rediscovering that. Stuff. Yeah, no, absolutely. But no, um, I know I get you. There's some things where you're like, you just catch something and you're like, oh, that paints this in a different... So, but that was one of the things though, because the the setup of
1: it is so like, I mean, in in all fairness, you've seen it many times before, where it's like, oh, they kidnap, they have to go get the the dad who like knows about the situation or whatever. Right. But the one detail that I guess was kind of lost on me, and this is dumb that I didn't realize it, like. He did work for Monarch, yes. and that he was friends with all those people, yes. So, well, one, he
0: co-created the Orca. That's he, cre-
1: well, I remember he did that, but I, di- it didn't click in my brain that like he was part of this team and like these were all basically like his coworkers and his yeah. friends. So, kind of being more attuned to that, the second time, a lot of his interactions with everybody was a lot more organic mm-hmm. with me because like his character with like they, you know there, there's a little bit of like you know you know the information dumps and like how his character reacts to other characters but it made a lot more sense where i'm like well i guess that makes sense that he's being open with like you know sally hawkins because they know each other yeah. so and they and they kind of established that they were friends so anyway so yeah he go they go to uh, get because he's the only other guy that knows about the orca you know, like technology how the, or- how the orca
0: works um because basically what they're trying to do so in, in the context of the movie, what we know is that it seems like uh, the Russells, that the the ver- uh, Emma and Madison, yeah. have been kidnapped yeah. by Mr. Charles Dance. Yes, uh, playing a character named, uh, I have all my notes here, Cur- uh, Colonel Alan Jonah. Alan Jonah. So uh, first of all, Charles Dance is uh, one of our few people that have ba- made its way both in the Godzilla and Bond franchises. Yes. We should, we should mention. Should in which
1: one was he, was he Oh, in? he
0: he had a very small part in uh, For Your Eyes Only as part of, like, right. the, he's, like, part of the evil henchman that he's being chased on, the that Bond, they're chasing him in the ski chase. Mm-hmm. But it's a very small part. But he still made his way into both franchises. Uh, but he's basically playing an echo terrorist, and it seems like he's captured uh, Vera Farmiga and uh, Millie Bobby Brown. mm mm-hmm. um, did you know Mary Bobber Brown played eleven? Um,
1: <laughs> Wait, is that in that show Stranger Things? What? What?
0: That popular show. <laughs> um, but they it seems like he's gonna he wants the Orca so that he can Awake of the Titans and, you know, cause eco-terrorism all over the world. Yeah,
1: they, they kind of established that he is the guy who's like this, uh, we're going to use the Titans to bring balance to the world yeah. and, like, and everything. So, uh, it gets And to- he's, like,
0: he's a former, like, British military op, so he has, like, you know, his, you know, as, as these movies do, he has his, like, his co-op, he, you know, his team... Of military people that just like are just following him, sure. You know his yeah, like his yeah. own personal army essentially. Yeah, yeah, definitely yeah, and, and, and like mercenaries and stuff like that. Yeah,
1: he he's basically one day away from fighting John McClane. Yeah, like like is is what is what he is in this movie, um or 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 even a, an Ethan, I guess eco terrorism. So that's more of an Ethan Hunt thing. Ethan Hunt right? could do it. Yeah, even um, though
0: Bruce Willis like, John McClane like, Godzilla like. Let's go. Let's go to San Francisco. Have a few laughs. Yeah, he's big, like, giant, big, big giant monster comes down. Like he
1: he like hides behind a rock when like Ghidorah shoots a lightning bolt at him. He's like, I was supposed to be on
0: vacation. <laughs> anyway, okay, we're we're getting off track. Um, so, but yeah, so yeah.
1: they're so they're chasing after him, and then ultimately their plan. Uh, we should just hop right into it. Is that they want to begin a mass awakening? Uh, because another thing we find out is that Monarch, in the meantime, while pleading the case for these uh as Sarah i would say not monsters these animals is that they have located more than 17 different types just, just worldwide yeah. kaiju over the world we also get one of many hints to uh kong being one of the titans mm-hmm. uh, from kong skull island and um So Monarch has located all these monsters, and Charles Dance is uh, going to release one monster and create a mass awakening that, uh, in the context of the film, I guess feels like will bring balance uh, to the world. Uh, And uh, he will be doing that by awakening none other than Monster Zero.
0: (laughs) That was like when we – first like time they say that amazing yeah like amazing that they use the monster zero term great like i gotta say like and we'll get into this with some
1: of the other things very very smart i think i thought smart uses of like bringing like we're gonna this is how we're gonna use Reference this name it, like yeah this is how we're gonna introduce like this aspect of the character and that's this is how it plays into the
0: story yeah very very mm-hmm. I, I thought so like, really done, like monster zero because if for those of you who have been listening to the podcast, you'll know that Who is Monster Zero? Monster Dick? Zero comes from a not great film called Invasion of Astro Monster. Yeah,
1: great aliens, not great film. Yeah.
0: Uh, where the monster, the aliens in that movie refer to King Kadora as Monster Zero. Right. So, who is Monster Zero? It is, in fact, our three-headed friend, yeah. King Ghidorah. And and it's funny, because they call him
1: Monster Zero, and, of course, they give him the John Wick treatment of, like, talking about, like, this is, like, the kaiju that we keep, this is the titan we keep off the books. Well, it's right. like, 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 throughout
0: <laughs> all of history, it's like nobody wanted to talk about it. That him. was, okay, so this
1: is where, you know, again, once again, your mileage may vary, but this is my shit. When they, when they talked about, because... There's more reveals of Ghidorah, as we said. Like, you know, I already said at top, he's an alien. But at this point in the movie, they're just being like, because they established that all these other creatures kind of have some sort of root in mythology and like human history. Whereas, like, Ghidorah is like, they, yeah, you're right. There's like, just
0: like hints throughout, like, Kind of whispers and hints throughout, like history. But there's no
1: real tangible proof because, as they say in the movie, that history was just it was just too afraid of him that they yeah. did, never wanted to talk about him, and, and that's why there was. And no there's also another
0: reason that we may talk about a little bit later. Yeah, like why maybe he's not really part of that human history? Oh yeah, aspect. absolutely. Um, um, so, so then, the- so yeah, so they basically they've Monster Zero is frozen in the Antarctic, mm-hmm. and so they come up with this plan to like okay they track godzilla cuz mm-hmm. they feel like okay oh godzilla feels threatened by something mm-hmm. so oh it must be monster you know it must be this thing they're looking Cause for cuz
1: monarch has been keeping tabs on godzilla this right. whole time they say yeah. they can't find him but they they can essentially mm-hmm. yes. they're just keeping it hidden yeah
0: um, um but uh and then they go to um the antarctic yeah. and more plot revelations happen. The big plot revelation in this movie is
1: that uh, Vera Farmiga, uh, uh, you know, uh, Doctor Russell yeah. is uh, is our is our you know kind of our bad of the movie. Or she our, was our, she
0: was in on the kidnapping. She was, she was in on the kidnapping. It was
1: her, James. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. It was her. It was her. But uh, it was her the whole time. It was her idea, and that ultimately. She has this plan, and it's actually in the trailer, so it's like, we always, and I mentioned this in the pre-show, like, yeah. we kind of knew. We kind of
0: knew, that it's like, and we we even said that's like, she would be, like, the villain, but maybe not really
1: the yeah, villain, I mean, but, I, like,
0: I, you know, but, but kind of, like, the bad guy. Yeah,
1: I have to be honest, like, they, they I didn't know how it was going to play, I didn't know if it was, like, she falls in line, and this is what she wants to do. I didn't know it was going to be a full-fledged, like, she orchestrated the whole thing, and Millie Bobby Brown was in on it, um, and, and things like that. And uh, essentially, her plan is uh, getting uh, back is uh, reintroducing elements to the Godzilla franchise of being uh, more about the thematics of uh, you know uh, our effects on the world and her basic idea. She's uh, she essentially uh, starts the Thanos project yeah. where uh, you know humans are shitty and um, you know people Basically, have ruined the planet, like, and that this. This uh, worldwide event of bringing the Titans back to the top of yeah. the food chain will bring the world back on track.
0: Yeah, it'll it'll balance it out. And her whole thing is that they're not going to make humans extinct. It will only make humans stronger yeah. as the Earth gets stronger as the true. Kings of this world, yeah, uh, come back to uh, their rightful throne. Essentially,
1: because the whole kind of like uh, thematic through line of the movie, or like the, the in terms of the goals of what everybody is kind of like arguing for is that these things are just a part of nature and then we're just re-establi- reestablishing the hierarchy mm-hmm. of everything and we're all going to like live in coexistence and that's going to uh, And keep the she world also spinning. has the
0: tangible proof that like l- like life has re- like plant life has returned to Las Vegas and San Francisco which mm-hmm. were destroyed and basically the, the the theory is that the radiation that comes off these titans regenerates the earth right. naturally. So essentially it'll fix those world's problems of pollution and mm-hmm. overpopulation while you know creating a better world for those who will you know survive. And uh, also one
1: last plot detail before we talk about things a little bit uh, more specifically is that the movie itself opens up uh, with a flashback to the San Francisco event in 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we learn that um, the Russells lost a son that day uh, mm-hmm. on the the big godzilla muto uh battle so that informs a lot of both um yeah um right, we, we get the doctor emma that, russell like, and Mark doing russell. this won't
0: bring your son back yeah you know? we, we get that whole thing
1: yes um which uh which in an interesting way uh paints both the, both of those different characters and i i find to be a, a very interesting uh way so Ultimately, that's and and that's the plot. And then, of course, you have uh Sarazawa being like, "Well, Godzilla will be the key to like bringing this all in." And then, ultimately, it's all a setup to get the monsters to clash, to get like who's going to rise up on top, and lessons about meddling with uh, nature and um, and 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 all that and all that fun fun jazz. So, what what do what do we want to talk about specifically? I, I have some ideas of
0: uh, of. Of, of where we can start I mean, we, with we, this we go always we we while well, we usually talk about like the human plot lines and, say, and, and the monster stuff yeah. i feel like the monster stuff probably would be a better ender yeah, um, yeah. so we could talk about the human stuff yeah uh, first and just kind of get into general stuff about that um so um actually you're right cause, like, because like this, I, I this is a good say, point because i'd we just- also say that because i also think because generally speaking when we talked about the criticisms that have been lobbied against this movie, mm-hmm. much of it has to do with people's reaction to this human plotline mm-hmm. and the interest or lack of interest in it. And so I think it's – and we both agree in a sense that the criticism against that human plotline is sort of harsh. So I think it would be best for us to kind of get that out of the way and kind of dissect it and talk about why we why we think it's not – as awful as people are saying it is.
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I'm more favorable to it. Um, I have found, and I thought about this last night, one of the issues that I have is not... Nec- it, I, I don't think the problem is necessarily with the human characters as much as it has to do with the plotting of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and, that, and I get it. My point of view on all these things are, as, like, the, the human characters in these movies really ultimately and this is why this may not be everybody's genre and and i'm not even saying like you have to like it it's valid if you don't like it but the humans function as the stitching together they're either the stitching together of the monster stuff or the x or being pieces of expression of what the story is so i get why and what happens in this movie is that there are certain times i don't think this is with everybody but there are certain times where the movie has maybe one too many scenes of a certain plot element. And then when that happens, you find out that the characters are basically just kind of like saying the stuff that you already know. Yeah. And then, then you kind of realize that they're, they're not delving too much deeper than what you already know it didn't become a deal breaker for me, but if I have to be objective about it, I would say like, that's yeah, more what it
0: is. I, I think it, it, I think I would agree. It's very much more like the repetition mm-hmm. of those beats as opposed to the actual characters. Yeah. Cause like I kind of joked right after the movie, like Millie Bobby Brown, she cries a lot about her you know parents. And it's like, that's again, I think the, so, there's, there's solid elements of that plot line there, but mm-hmm. it's like every time you cut back to her being upset at the situation, yeah. it just seems like it's the exact same scene. And it's kind of the similar things with, like, you know... Um, See, my thing was, like... And I I don't have a problem with him, Like,
1: a lot of, uh, like, criticisms has been laid at Charles Dance. And uh, for me, for a movie like this, like, he's playing Charles Dance. He's playing, yeah. like, just, like... a Like, I get it. Generic villain. But he's a good actor. And yeah. I think he works with what he has. And I like, like, his limited role in it. Um, there's... But again... And it doesn't have anything to do with him... There is just one too many of, like, the scene of him going to Vera Farmiga. He's like, you knew what you signed up for. Like,
0: yeah. so that's
1: what I mean. So, like, like it's like, more that than like, the actual again, it's like character. Because, again, it's
0: like the focus more so is uh, – the, the intention of the movie is to focus more on, like, kind of more the human drama of, like, Vera Farmiga and Kyle Chandler and, like, their relationship and the yeah. and kind of the, the different ways that that – Uh, That event of their son dying kind of took them. Yeah. um, Which is, like, one of those things, though, because I
1: I think that that's a little bit disingenuous, though, to not look at the deeper elements of those. (laughs) Because it's not like those – and I'll get into, like, what I find so compelling about those characters, but it's not nothing.
0: No, it's not. Yeah. And I think that's what the case is. I do think that the repetition of a lot of those beats, I think – Tricks you into thinking that there is no death. Now it's not as deep as they could go with those characters. No, it's all arch. It's all you know, it's all kind of there, you know, but I do think that there's stuff interesting there. And really when I was watching this movie, like none of those characters lost me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like none of those characters like I wasn't necessarily like as into them as I was to the monster action, I can admit that as much. Mm-hmm. But that's also something that, again, is usually the case with these movies. Like, this human plot line and the way that it goes is no worse than the stuff in, like, you know, like I said, like uh, Mechagodzilla 2 or Space Godzilla, maybe Space Godzilla. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a little but bit But, like, better. in any of those H- hazy films. It's, it's, I mean, re- it, but it's um, really no it's no worse than what's in BioLante. Yeah. It really isn't but any, I, I any would, worse I than BioLante. I would Bio-Anti. honestly
1: say that, like, if we're really being, like, like objective about it if you want to be objective like these american movies like like let's just take these two legendary movies have put a little bit more effort into trying to make these storylines work yeah. and interact with them. Oh, yeah. Like, so, let's be real about that.
0: I mean, that human plotline stuff was also a criticism of 2014, and I know you and I disagree on that. I really <laughs> genuinely enjoy the human stuff in, in 2014. Yeah, yeah. And that's what makes that movie so strong for me.
1: I'm glad you brought up 2014 because the one thing I will say, and you're spot on, I, I agree with that sentiment, um, but the one thing I will say for a movie that I do love that I do think an element <coughs> (coughs) that this movie does a little bit better with its characters is i think that this movie at least has a little bit more personality and color with its characters where you're right like none of the characters really lose you in in much in the vein of like a movie like this you have like a gang of characters like you have your funny scientists you have like your kind of like uh like a decent soldier guy and then you have like the parents and then you have like the the wiser of the characters and the cause the one thing I will say about 2014 Guides of the y, I like the human drama and stuff. It, it it is pretty humorless in how much personality that there is with its character. Because the real big ones are maybe Brian Cranston, but that's because he just is acting really. You know, what? he's just like really just going for it. And he's
0: kind of like, you know, he kind of is presented as insane and there's that kind of humor. You know, there's always that kind of weird little right. humor about like, oh, someone seems insane, but then they're actually the same one. I,
1: and, and again, I'm coming at this from I like all the human stuff in it, but to be fair, there is a sense of, and that's why I like this movie, that there there wasn't a sense in that movie everybody was just super serious the whole time. Like, it's just everybody is just super like, yeah. we're the military and this is all grim and serious and stuff. And it works, but I will say that it, I did appreciate this time around having a more like color because it it, it, it they fit, felt it, like it felt like a diverse group of different personalities yeah. and characters.
0: It really does fit with our like that comparison I had at the beginning. Like 2014 is very much like 54, where it is very much like you know little maybe little bits and you know 54 has like very same thing it's very serious it's a very serious take on that stuff whereas the Hazy films do have a little bit more of that personality when you like look at stuff like moth you know the mm-hmm. 92 mothra and you know Ghidorah with the spielberg line and stuff like that yeah and i feel like that's that just makes this movie fit again into that hasty era type of deal and, and, a little bit more and,
1: and and it's one of the things where it's like you know and, and i'm glad that they went like i i overall just didn't have like that issue with the players we were following. Yeah, I mean, I I
0: do think there were points just, like, sometimes there were things where maybe, like, I could, you know, use, like, a dialogue tweak here and there to, like, really kind of up those personalities a little bit because sometimes some of that humor, as much as it was fun to see, like, Bradley Whitford uh, be just kind of Mm -hmm. out there and just kind of being, like, kind of the sassy, like, you know, drunk but not drunk type of of guy.
1: So that was the thing about, because you had mentioned that there was a you had heard that there was a rick and morty influence on yeah. this movie and you were absolutely right mm-hmm. uh, i'm assuming you know about this yeah uh, right, nah, that, i looked into it more yeah. that doherty had said that uh uh brad woodford's character was uh was more akin to a rick and morty type so
0: like brad woodford was kind of playing as like you know he's like a drunk rick yeah. and and um... but but it's like there's some stuff where it's like as much as that's fun like there could have been a little bit more I feel like a little more specificity sometimes with that stuff. It seems like a very lot of broad humor, which isn't bad, but I just feel like.
1: I got to be honest. I really liked that character. No, I did too. Because I thought that that was a because I I, don't. I thought
0: it was very, I mean, like once you mentioned it, I did think it was very refreshing because you don't have a character like that in 2014. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And I think that that does bring like the level of the type of, it, it just kind of adds to what the type of monster action they're going for in this movie. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like, again, like... and I, But I also didn't
1: feel like... I didn't feel like it was too much. Like, I, I kind of get it, like... And again, like, maybe not every joke lands for you, but I thought it was... I thought every bit of, like, lightheartedness in this movie was very... Um, harmless, yeah. I thought
0: it, no, nothing. There's nothing that you know detracts. But yeah, also that's also you and me. Like we're usually like yeah, not I mean, that that point thing. But there was never, a, there was never a point where it's like okay, like let's get serious for a moment because that's not the type of movie it is. First of all, mm-hmm. but it, like I like I said, like maybe like a little bit more like depth to that humor. Like a little bit, I, I like to, I would like to go actually a little bit more of that humor, a little bit deeper into mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I, I, but I do think that it works for the movie.
1: Yeah, and it's like – and it's more like he has a couple jokes, but more of it is just like how he, like, carries himself. Mm-hmm. because they No, no, his like his presence yeah, in, and in his personality. I did hear, like, there is a valid criticism, I think, and I don't know how much I subscribe to it, but I do understand the point where it is funny that American films like this that tackle properties like this do find the need to have that audience surrogate character, like the one who's, like, snarky about everything. Yeah. And it's an interesting kind of thing because I'm like, yeah, I guess, like, because you really wouldn't have that type of character in, like, a lot of the Toho films. Right. Like, there's nobody. But again, I he never really struck, that character never struck me as, like, falling into making fun of what was going on. No. He's... Like, it was just more of, like, they were, like, Open up the shields, and then he'd be like, "He's like, oh, what do you want to do? Invite him in for a beer? Like, it's like just more of like being snarky." Yeah. And But I didn't feel like it was no, like no. A make I, fun I, of. I didn't feel that though. he had though one of my favorite. Like both times, I've giggled way too much at this line. Is at the end when he's just like, "There, like somebody's like, man, does Godzilla look bigger to you?" And he's like, "Man, Sarazawa got that lizard juiced." <laughs> like that was the line where I cannot not laugh at that uh, when that happens, and it's funny because like. Uh, Thomas Middleditch is not very middle ditchy in this no, movie. no that
0: was really the one like I thought that I thought that really they could have done more with with middleditch in this movie because he, he just he does of all the characters he's the one that feels like if you like quietly like erased him from the movie like there's really not much you would miss with him he just kind of he just becomes part of that group. yeah um, like I
1: I don't disagree, like I wouldn't fight you on that point, but I just found myself when watching the movie like I just
0: well, I mean, and like I said, it's one of those things where I don't think like, oh, you need to take him out like I'm not saying that I think he's still for what he's given, mm-hmm. he does a good job with it, but it's just it's just he he is the character that feels like is just n- the least needed and I, and I, it just like
1: but thats, that's why just, I, I don't... think that
0: adds to that criticism of the movie.
1: But see, but this is where I would fight back on that, because what I liked about it was that, like, I I feel like, I don't like to say that he's underused, like, he has his role in the movie, and I like it because they're painting this kind of, like, team of, like, here's all the different people, and Middle Ditch is trying to, like, he's clearly on their side, like, I don't think I would like that character if he was like the whole like ah you know I'm from the suits in Washington and like well, yeah, no. monarch we we you gotta get we your, don't need that character right anymore. but and I like that that they portray this team as like there's all these different people because he wasn't like necessarily a scientist he was more of like a government official that um
0: that's like the liaison between like right the monarch science so for, team and like and like congress
1: so for me what i like is that they painted that image by having like that diverse group of characters and i also appreciate that they didn't find the need to push any of those characters like like into your face more than you needed to because when they eventually go into like the like the um the ancient civilization and like the Atlantis area like he's not in that part of the movie no so like they only really bring it, uh, forth the characters that yeah. I felt they need I mean it does but to that grit like I could I could see the uh, the and like if you're gonna have like cro- maybe those characters aren't colorful enough to be all distinct like you know with like some other ensembles but I I just personally I didn't have a problem with it, and I ended up. No, I kind mean of I, like, I think it's fair. And it, it's
0: like again, it's not. That's not a make or break issue for me. Right. It's yeah. just more so like an observation more than anything else.
1: Um, I want to talk about our two leads of the movie because I do think that I will defend the the character stuff going on. I, in, in as will I, I think. So, as we said, that the Russells have um experienced a loss uh of their of their son um at the events of the god of of the Godzilla event and. One of the things I do like that I really liked about these characters is that they're representing this very unique uh, representation of the schism created between people in a tragedy, especially those who have already been in a family. Um, So if we talk about – like let's talk about um, Emma Russell Vera Farmiga's character a little bit. So her character, the way that I've read this is this is a character that is – been stricken with grief and is almost kind of almost like on this martyr like suicide pact like mm-hmm. she like and especially re-watching it again like there are shades of like you know she has she has kind of stamped in her card like you know like i like she has this belief that this may make the world better and that my son's death won't be in vain but there is a little bit of a sense that like yeah she doesn't think like she's kind of forfeiting her life a little bit too like yeah. she can't live she can't live in this world anymore because she does not sugarcoat that like yeah we're all not going to make it out of this and this is the reason I raised my daughter the way that I did so she has a fighting chance in like the next world and everything and i thought that I thought that that character was very consistent uh, throughout and then ultimately like when she makes her big sacrifice at the end so even though she caused everything she gets to kind of like have that little moment of of slight redemption by but also uh self-fulfilling prophecy a little bit by uh ultimately giving her life mm-hmm. um and and that's kind of where uh how I felt about that character All right, it just looked like you were about to say something Sorry. oh no
0: um I kind of agree. Um, I feel like there's that element because you even get that right at the beginning, where when when their daughter Madison is going to email the dad, said I, I don't know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if everything's okay with mom, mm-hmm. and I think there's that element of that character where it, it's kind of in a sense like almost like in a way like a strange kind of parallel or kind of. It's a strange comparison to what Brian Cranston's character is in that first twenty fourteen mm. movie. Mm-hmm. And I think in like there is a means of where that Cranston character were, would go, like where it could be the same sort of deal. Mm-hmm. But oh, like, that's, a, that's but an interesting kinda like point. but like the thing about the Cranston character is Cranston is a character that doesn't have all this knowledge. So he's trying desperately to like find an answer. Mm-hmm. Vera Formiga's character is like a person who knows the answers, that she's been involved with Monarch. I mean, and at the beginning of the movie, we didn't even mention this, but she awakens Mothra and, like, you know, talks with Mothra and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And she's, she's seen the med- majesty of these creatures. And even in that flashback, when we're going back to 2014 and the San Francisco attack, and when she looks up at Godzilla, mm-hmm. like, there's that twinkle in her eye where she's like, she knows what's going on, she yeah. knows the answers. And that kind of awe, but there's also that mixture of, she knows really what where this is all going to lead to, right? And I yeah. think it's that kind of her commitment to that. And I agree with you that I think there is that element of like she's going to make you know she's kind of putting herself on this line where she does not mind if she's dead mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, she's convinced herself that this is going to be for the betterment of everybody, including, you know, if I don't make it out of this, then I'm just part of that cycle.
1: Yeah. And there's a key line in that. And, and to like, and then one valid criticism. And again, doesn't bother me, but like, it, it is a very, like, it is a very talky movie, like very, very talky. Like they want to make sure like you get everything that's mm-hmm. going on. But there, but sometimes I find that when you do that, That sometimes you deceptively hide deeper things that are interesting. And the one key line for me was that uh, she's on the screen and she's presenting her evil PowerPoint presentation of like, this is like the world. Um,
0: Her, 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 uh, like her uh, sophomore year of college (laughs) video about how, how the earth is, is doomed. Yeah. Um, oh no well you know what it is it's her it's her uh, Mandarin video it's her yes little, it is it's, it's, yeah. a little, it's a little Mandarin from Iron Man 3 video and That's they what,
1: they didn't see it coming no they um, did
0: not but um,
1: but there's a key line in that in that where she has a brief back and forth with um or, uh, with uh, ah, I keep forgetting the character's name with Mark her husband and it's Kyle Chandler yeah Kyle Chandler I'm just gonna call him Kyle
0: like, cause he just plays wait, we, so wait, much you know we've talked about this briefly before you're making an important point yeah no, we've, no, go we've, ahead. we've talked about people who are like you just mention the actor name cuz it's like the actor right yeah
1: no i mean like when uh when we were out seeing it yesterday it was like literally like he just plays Kyle Chandler and he plays Kyle Chandler really well yeah. um but anyway so the point i was making is like so uh they're going back and forth and Kyle Chandler says that it's like um th- basically the tension in the argument uh like rising up and then like he says something along the lines of like like you can't make it's like it's something along the lines of he's like it's like there's some things you just can't control and then she says there's some things that you just can't run away from mm-hmm. and that's the key line that's very deceptively put in there that I think defines that whole character that makes me think like she has relinquished like what her future right. is going to be because again I like think- she sees it in her mind like in two ways this is the inevitable way this is going to go. And also I'm going down the path of like we have to like this is like we're we're gonna go. We're like if I die, this is what happens. Yeah. Like I've lay I'm laying it all down on the well, line uh, right again,
0: now. Again, it, it relates to what I just mentioned where like that time that when she's looking up at Godzilla during the twenty fourteen, you know, fight. Yeah. It's you can almost see the the, the framework of her argument happening yeah. right there mm-hmm. where she's like you said, you you um there's some things you can't run away from. She knows she looks at Godzilla, and, no, we can't run away from this thing. yeah. this and, and this is the new creature that is in control of this planet. She knows it at that moment in time. and i I found it very
1: profound to be for this reason because
0: we live in a very angry time now,
1: mm-hmm. socially and politically, and uh, there is a lot of people who would argue that, like, well, we fucked up, like whether it be ecologically, socially, politically. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people who would argue the point like it's like, well, the world's on fire. Like, there's nothing we can do. Like, it's all going to, like, burn down (laughs) eventually. And it was kind of interesting to see that play out in this, like, and how that fractures relationships. And on a bigger scale, too. So here's a question. Like, here's here's a subject I brought up. Because this is where I think that you and I may look at things not differently from each other, but maybe differently from a lot of people. Because there's some people who would maybe argue the point that, like this is just all too ridiculous. Like, this is, like, really, like, would she go, like, is that, like, where her mind would take her that now she's going to unleash monsters on the world? My point is this. Does a person have that thought in the real world? I don't know, probably not. But I will pull that card of, like, we're watching a giant kaiju movie. Like, and the reason I don't mean that dismissively, is just when you're, entering a certain framework of storytelling and like what supernatural or fictional aspects you're doing the rules of your like kind of like your 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 logical framework changes a little bit Mm -hmm. so because you're having like this big fantastic kaiju movie that all of your plot revelations and everything that is expressed is going to be through these outlandish kaiju things so no it wouldn't happen i think realistically but i feel like in the same way that like well in a musical the rule the logical rules of that take of, of that dictate right. that like you sing like your stuff in this one you integrate the the monster. ridiculous monster stuff
0: i also would say two points to that one i think there the the tried and true cliche of you're never the only one that thinks something i think applies here i'm sure there is someone uh-huh. somewhere in this world who in those set of circumstances would get to that would want to unleash the monster <laughs> okay all right fair Two, enough yeah yeah yeah. we also live in the world where there were multiple articles about how <laughs> thanos was right and he should have done the snap and we should kill 50 percent of the universe and there were serious articles about that's that. actually funny that like not
1: that long ago people were saying like this exact thing is the right thing to do yeah
0: like, That's a good point. Like, listen, like you can make the argument that that she's in the right here.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and ultimately, n- not and the movie kind of sides on that too. Yeah. Like when, when when we get to the end, but all right, we have to move on to so we get to Kyle Chandler. Yes. Who I think also equally brings like an interesting stuff. Now he plays really good Kyle Chandler and. Yeah. I think that they Panicked,
0: angry, dad.
1: And I felt like that they found that good balance between the You know, he's familiar with all this stuff, but they shied just away from making it like the Kyle Chandler, like, here comes your white savior show. Like I and I and I've heard some criticism about that, but I never I never quite felt that like I still felt like even though the focus was on all of them and like he was like technically the lead I never felt like it was just like like oh this is like too much for for this character I
0: don't I don't think that's a valid criticism so
1: so Nick do you want to hear my reading uh, me read way too much into this character
0: when have I not ever (laughs) wanted to I the,
1: One of the things I love about his character in this movie is that if Vera Farmiga is the character who represents the grief-stricken in a loss, um, Kyle Chandler represents the... Almost the ang- angry at the world and om- this loss of faith and this anger at nature and God for what has happened. Mm-hmm. So in the movie, he plays the role of and he and this was another thing. He was never unreasonable in the movie. No, that's I think was a key element to his character. He was never unreasonable, but he did side on the. You can't trust these monsters. These things took, like, these things essentially took everything away from me. Godzilla took everything away from me, but because They're the destructive movie, forces. Right, but since the movie is framing them as like, well, these are just animals. This is just a part of nature. You know, people have lost things and storms and hurricanes and I'm sure have blamed, like, God for yeah. what has happened. And that was, and then. I, and believe me, like the God stuff, like I do have a reason for why I talk about it so much in this mm-hmm. movie and it'll come up. But there was that sense of like, here is a character who's just so like, the world took something from me. And even though he was never unreasonable, that always painted, I felt like, a lot of his actions. And what, and uh, what his whole arc is, is that he had to come into that you know that forgiveness and like he had to understand that like this is just nature and it's not like a person it's not a personal thing it's just like it's a loss that happened and that these creatures who represent that are ultimately what brings him back on board that he has like this intimate moment with Godzilla and that the when at the all is lost moment in the movie what is the thing that brings back that beacon of hope it is our queen of the monsters mothra angelically coming from the skies almost from the heavens representing this angel who is bringing the hope uh that they need and inspires him to lead the charge well, to revive yeah. the thing that he used and to, to, to
0: add to that i think that's also a key part of why it's important that kyle chandler's character was a former person of monarch yes like because What that represents is, like, what he's done since then, he's just basically become just, like, a photographer. Like, he's still, like, studying nature, but he's kind of gone back to being, like, a smaller scale. Like, when we meet him in the movie, he's taking picture of wolves, Mm -hmm. yeah, uh, you know, in Colorado somewhere. Um, But I think, like, that first scene when he's, you know, uh, first on the... the big underwater ship that they have. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: Which, by the way, like, that's another thing you gotta love about this movie. It's got underwater layers, oh, it's, it's got super that's jets.
0: A, uh, that's another thing that makes it very hazy era, by yes. the way. Yes, yeah. Um, is, like, all the underwater stuff, like, what they call the Argo, or the Arco? Whatever it was, like
1: uh, yeah, I for I forget what it was called. Listen, all I know is like, even though I know it's like modeled after a stealth bomber, it was awesome to see a super jet. Yeah, like there was just something so at home about. Yeah, and uh, and then Patrick also made this point about how like he we do love how the legendary movies ultimately have no qualms of like if we're going to introduce something like
0: we're not we're going to be unapologetic yeah. about it. Super jet, here you go. But anyways, um, but there's that first moment where like he's having that argument like immediately where it's like why we like you know we do got to kill him like he's having that argument where they're like talking about like you know we got to save my wife and my daughter mm-hmm. but like it gets into the arguments where like what well, we have to kill them like you take that shot if you have to but then in that immediate you know moment they come across godzilla mm-hmm. and everybody you know everybody's get, get your you know guns ready and everything like that and it's kyle chandler who has that moments like you know you know, hold your fire, like, you know, put your guns down essentially. Right. Yeah. And I think it's that moment of like going into kind of the religious and the godly nature of things. It's kind of like that, that moment where, you know, that Kyle Chandler at the end of the day, he, he was someone in Monarch who, who worked in relation to these creatures and, and worked to, you know, learn more about these creatures at some point. And even if he's lost that faith, Mm -hmm. there's always that part of him that like knows that like he can always come back to it. And like, you know, he still has that kind of arc to get to for that moment at the end of the movie where he does have that moment with Godzilla at the end. But I think it's like, it's an important key to that point where it's just like Kyle Chandler is this character who has lost his faith, mm-hmm. has lost his, you know, has blamed the gods or mm-hmm. blamed Godzilla in yeah. this case. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is that part of him that will always, there is that part of him that always has hope for that. Mm-hmm. And it's even like in his hope that he will rekindle his relationship with his daughter because yeah. his daughter has been living with his mother. And at the beginning of the movie, there's like, Hey, like we haven't heard from you guys and so much. And, and, you know, is that kind of thing is like, is, is, you know, eventually it's like, it's very far like hiding Millie from mm-hmm. Millie Bobby Brown from Kyle Chandler. Or is it like, you know, what's, what's kind of the deal there, but there's that aspect of it. And it's just kind of that, that kind of journey of redemption and journey of rediscovery of one's faith. Uh, with Kyle Chandler, there's um, there's a great scene in this movie where
1: he talks with Sarah and I was able to read a, a, like kind of like really soak it in on on my second viewing, and it's a it's it's a conversation about like like listen like Sarah is essentially saying like you know the the wor- like the world is. Like, you know, it's going to go the way it's going to go. And then you have this loss, and it's like you're kind of your perfunctory, like, you can't carry like this with you. And a lot of this is about like, you know, making peace with yourself and like forgiveness and like, Mm -hmm. and and all that kind of stuff. But what's really interesting about that is like, if you watch Chandler's performance in that, he knows that like, yeah, like he's harboring this guilt more so. Like, this was an animal. Like, nobody's really responsible. And I felt like in that scene, the subtext of that scene was like, yeah, I, I know. Like, I, I, I do know the honesty of this situation is like the only grief that I have is the one that I'm choosing to carry. Yeah. And I, and I thought that that was, I thought that was all really well handled, which is why I, I didn't ultimately. And then with these two being kind of like your heart and soul, like you're basically, you're kind of like center, your core, your gooey center of like the human emotional core of the movie. That's why I, I didn't share this, this criticism.
0: No, about I, I, again, I think it is like, Surface level, it seems like there's not that much there. Yeah, but well, like because but, it, but you're also yeah. like I mean, this is also a movie where you know you have your Kyle Chandler character and he's literally going through like Atlantis and yeah. there's that sort of that realization that you have in that moment just as a character of just like there there is something bigger out there and, and in, like in this case it's not necessarily a god of creation but mm-hmm. it's, it is a godly creature like something that is majestic and otherworldly in, in some ways. And I think that kind of that moment, and I think we'll talk about it from the Godzilla perspective too, but that moment when he does really come face to face with Godzilla, Mm -hmm. where Kyle Chandler and Godzilla really do have that face to face, I think is, is really like a beautiful little moment of, of where this arc of this character kind of comes to be. Yeah. And, and
1: I also love how, and again, it it sounds like you're, you're kind of seeing what I'm coming from with the whole, like losing faith aspect and I like it because another movie would make that way too literal and have him literally be a man of faith, and that at the end of the movie he picks up the cross or he's always holding the cross, and he's like, oh, "I don't want to hold it." And I, I love that they kept that it being specifically like about that faith, like un, unspoken. Yeah. And so the, the la, the last of the Russell family the, the is, is, is is Madison, uh, Russell. Yeah, who um, kind of
0: gets caught up in in the middle of yeah, it. yeah.
1: She is kind of like in that the. Honestly, in that, like, in the bit, she's the bit the kid in a big blockbuster movie. Yeah. Like, it's the same almost, like, I feel like if you have, like, your Jurassic Park, your Independence Day, like, they're the kids that are kind of along for the yeah, ride. Yeah,
0: it's, like, it's also a mixture of that plus the classic sort of child of divorce-like yeah. story. Where it's like, you know, you're kind of caught between the two parents and kind of where that kind of leads you to being. Now, ready for my read on this one? Will, when have I not been ready? <laughs> so, uh... The one thing I'll say straight up uh, about uh, that she's not a psychic. She
1: she's not a psychic. We were wrong. We were we were so wrong. No, but I mean like
0: like really, it's just like the orca basically makes her a psychic. Yeah, like it's basically
1: like psychic without being psychic. Right. Um. So, uh, the one thing I did like, I did like Millie Bobby Brown. Um. You know, I don't think like if we're talking about range of stuff, like you know, she plays her note of divorced kid who's responsible, and she plays it really well she's a good actress from the terms of like, I just feel like she's authentic. Like, yes, I, I just feel like she just fits in the role. And maybe, maybe I, I would like that only because like, she plays like adult, like she just plays 11. And that's like, kind of like my framework yeah. for her. And especially just, wait, she plays 11 in stranger things. Um, but I, I, I thought that ultimately like, you know, with a character like that could have been performed so much more blandly. And I just felt like she brought an authentic, she just felt real, I thought, in the role. But theme wise, because I'm all about the themes in yeah. my Godzilla movie. Uh, what Millie, what Madison Russell represents in this movie is the next generation that is going to take care of the world, and that has been like uh, the Russells' plan. Like Vera Farmiga's, like, oh, you know, I've trained my daughter to be able to survive this, and it's all about like. We've made our bed and now we have to lie on it, but there's a new future awaiting us. And the reason that I think that uh, Madison fits into that role is like, what's the first thing that we see when this movie opens up? Madison is the one taking care of her mom, essentially, which mm-hmm. I thought was like, I like seeing that. I like that that we're kind of, that we focused a little bit more on this fo- this uh, daughter-mother relationship and that the daughter was concerned about because you always see it with like either it was a divorce or the mom died so the daughter has to take care of the dad and be like the mom in the situation but i i like seeing that you know the implication of like opening like making the breakfast and tending to the emails is that there's a little bit of like Madison takes care uh, yeah. of her,
0: of her mom a little bit, and I think it's and, also by this real quick. It's yeah. also in relation to the fact that they also live a very untraditional life too. Where sure, it's kind of like because you because the first you know it seems like they're just living the regular old home life, and you're thinking like oh like there, but then you realize that. It's basically like they're actually at a facility in China as they're going to, like, you know, take a look at this moth ray. Right, like, yeah. It's just like, oh, like, there's this little house in the jungle type of deal. Yeah, she's – but, but – and then – But uh, I, and I think that kind of just adds to that aspect of it where it's just like they live this crazy life and, and you know – and again, like – she sends that e like she's about to send that email to that like i don't know about mom anymore like Mm -hmm. i don't know i don't know if she's okay yeah and she she
1: sends the email later on in the movie she's the one that takes action to right the wrongs of like because vera's not going to do it and then so uh madison takes the uh orca device like like,
0: you know they madison seemingly knew what the plan was Mm -hmm. you know and what her mother was planning and then kind of again sort of all the revelations about what was going on with Charles dance and everything like that like yeah. you know kind of swept that reality under the rug it kind of almost confirmed what what Millie was fearing about her mother right yeah so uh so that's my read on the character it's more
1: of like a smaller like thankless type of like entry into the thematics of the movie but i thought one that ultimately functions in the plot but also says kind of like what what i was just what i was just talking about yeah um th- did you have any other thoughts well on- i mean
0: i think that it's more so that like it kind of also represents you know her her taking that action to you know get like, they steal the arca and kind of try to correct those wrongs is kind of also that representation so more so it's just kind of like well there is that possibility that vera Formiga is 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 wrong that the, the earth is not you know that the humans can still do something to, yeah. you know, work and save this earth. And, like, that, Cause that Madison not- represents that future, you know, that we in real world and in the movie have that's like that is that future and possibly that future where humans and the titans can coexist well that's but a good is, point yeah but that but that she represents that human element of like she's the one that's going to be working along you know alongside Well,
1: coexistence others. means because at that point in the movie they have relented all of like that you know vera charles dance all of them have relented to like well, King Ghidorah just fucked everything up, but ultimately, like he's gonna like start over the world or whatever. Probably. So we're just gonna let the yeah. monsters do their thing. Whereas Madison represents that. Well, no coexistence means we all need to do our part. Do our part, and so she does her part in the movie. And you just added uh, another point that of something I like about this character. So thank you. Um, but yeah, and, uh, I thought Millie Bobby Brown was yeah. good. Um, you know, I know people get upset when you put a character like this in there and they don't get like all like the big, incredible acting chops out of them. No. But whatever.
0: We've been talking about these human characters for a while. Yeah. And I, it's kind of getting too far, but I know, I know you're chomping at the bit to talk about Dr. Sarah Zawin. Yes. I, I know like that's really what you're leading up to.
1: Um, and- I will, uh, and just real, real briefly. Um, I, I think I, I, again, painting the they don't do too much with them that could they have done more yes but if we're painting like all the different types of characters which is what i like i had fun with like the little bit that we had of o'shea jackson in it i thought he does very good like like charming enough like, yeah, like military the, the, guy the
0: military stuff is very much like your base like even more so than the other stuff in this movie it's your base requisite like the military's involved and like, you know, there's kinda like, We're gonna we're gonna fight him, oh no, we're gonna help out, like you know. You know. Well but, he also but I, I just thought but, like he but, was but, just it, like a nice presence. You
1: know, yeah. Yeah. Again, it's like it's I always say like, again, the role itself and the character doesn't need to be deep. Just get an actor who can effectively yeah. play the role, which is where yeah. I fit on this character. He oh. had a great line though where somebody's like, Oh, where um what did they say? They're like, Why didn't this kill him? That like that that should have killed Ghidorah, and he's like I don't know, but maybe it has something to do with that he just grew an extra head. Yeah. <laughs> like, so that was funny. Um, Ken Watanabe owns. What do the kids say? He slaps. Is that what they say? He, dude. Um, he's the tits. He is great in this movie. Mm. Like, legitimately great. I yeah. think, and I think he's good, even though we make fun of him a lot in fourteen. But man, has that like character just elevate? Like, this is one of my favorite Godzilla characters now, I think just like human characters. Yeah. And he, and it's not only because he is in the the center, he's in the center of my favorite scene in this movie. And he plays it so well But I just thought his whole presence in the movie was great. I thought if any character got tone wise how to play in a movie like this, he is the guy, and like he would turn it up to like ten when he needed to, and like play it like soft when he needed to. And he's he's really
0: good at he's just really good at being in awe of something. (laughs) Yeah, and I and I think that he he of all the characters in this movie, I think he is definitely the one that you could easily just transfer into a Toho movie like that style of character Mm -hmm. I think would fit very well in like again any of those hasty era movies or like kind of even like placing him into sort of Godzilla 2000 and making him part of the GPN like you could you could easily see that character just kind of fit in so many different Godzilla movies yeah definitely. and I I think that's just kind of really where that character shines is that like it just feels that you have that connection to like you know that kind of the classic nature of how we view Godzilla and you know how some of those older Godzilla movies view Godzilla
1: yeah and and it's definitely if anything felt really strangely earned to me is that his final moments uh with uh Godzilla which you know I want to give more context but I, I want to wait just a second before I talk about it but he says goodbye old friend to yeah. to, to Godzilla uh, eventually spoilers uh, no, <laughs> no um but uh and you can just feel like I just felt that like Wananabe was really playing like this character of like, you know, and again, like some people may think it's like kind of silly because it's like, well, like, why is he calling him old friend? But it's more coming from like, he views these things as like animals and like, when you are, like, working in, like, a field like this and you take care of, like, wildlife, that's how... You, I've never done it personally, but I know that's how they view it. Like, they, there's a fondness for it and because, there's a fondness for the creatures, so you kind of view them as, like, these kind of, like, companions or friends in that more spiritual, like, you know, natural hierarchy way. And um, well, I, I, mean, I I just thought he was great and in the, the movie. The
0: Godzilla and these Titans have been his passion. Yeah. You know, and, it, and it's, it's something that relates to you know, his appearance in 2014 and how he's, you know, presented in that movie as Mm -hmm. someone who knows of this existence and, you know, the whole thing with the clock and the watch and, you know, Hiroshima and and all that sort of stuff like that, I think just adds to Mm -hmm. that element of it. But it's like, this is the thing, like, Godzilla is the thing that's given him life. Mm -hmm. You know, really, it's it's the thing that has, you know, got him out of bed every day. Mm -hmm. Like, and the thing that, you know, and I, and I think that's just, like, a thing that, you know, when people don't take that seriously, like, it's just, like... Uh, yeah, because it's, like, I, I just think, that's your character I right just there. think that's so cynical. Like, yeah. it just is. Yeah. Like, he, if I was, like, you know, like, listen, I love Disney, right? And if I, like, if I was dying at Disneyland, like, if I said goodbye, old friend, well, that's because, like, that's been my life. That's right. What, that's what I love every, you know, every waking moment of my life it's is a, that. That's a good point. And, and, I, and I think, that like, obviously, it's a... More realistic example of like talking to like a creature, but like it's just like he does like Sirizawa does view probably like honestly speaking, Godzilla is the thing that Dr. Sirizawa cares about most in this world. Mm-hmm. Like like, and that's not a joke. That's that's a legitimately like a a great thing about this character. Is that he's passionate, just like m- lots of people are passionate about, like saving endangered species or or the specific animals that they that they care for. Mm-hmm. It's like that same sort of deal. It's like this is a unique creature, a unique specimen. You know, it's what it's it's what Matthew Broderick wanted you to believe in '98. Yeah, but like he couldn't get across because that movie was all about oh these majestic creatures. Let's kill them. No, Dr. And- Sarah was always like, I'm going to study this creature know this creature, mm-hmm. love this creature. And, and it
1: also, what's fun from a franchise point of view, retroactively makes let them fight just from a silly cool moment to like, oh, that's like kind of like informs the character in a, in a more, in a more, in a deeper way than we had initially thought. Um, you know, cause it's, it's not only like, yeah, it's going to cool. Let them fight. But it actually like, no, let nature take, take place what it needs to. Um, so, and I think, that can transition into yeah. we can talk about the monsters. Oh, but themselves. One, one last thing. Yeah.
0: I was kind of I felt like they could have done more with like I, I I can how do I put this? I can get behind like Sally Hawkins needing to die. Oh! Oh! Yes, okay. This this is this is not handled well. <laughs> no. But like but she, but to, so Sally Hawkins does die like, you know, in the first like Ghidorah appearance in this movie. Yeah.
1: And but she dies so quickly. So quickly in the next scene, I was like, wait, she died? That's exactly <laughs> what I was about to say. Like,
0: I honestly like, and I know we'll talk about the Dr. Sarazawa scene later. I honestly would have rather had her like survive to that point and then choose to go with Sarazawa and like kind of like be like not like be a focus of that scene, but just kind of be more with him because they've been so connected. But if you're gonna kill her. Give her a give her something, yeah, like because it really like it feels like it's almost as if she died off screen. That's exactly what it feels like. I again and
1: again, this is the one thing that has not changed with the second viewing because I saw that even the second viewing, I still almost missed yeah. like the moment where she dies because I think Ghidorah eats her. Yeah, that's what happens. Y- yeah, I- I'm with you on that one because I was like, wait a minute, what? She died? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, if there was anybody who's like, listen, like, you know, Sally Hawkins is probably like, Ken, I get it. Like, you like this stuff. You like looking at monsters really cool. You like saying, let them fight. I respect it. I get it. But, you know, I'm in shape of waters now. I'm doing that. I can't be doing this stuff anymore. I'm out. <laughs> and it's like, I mean, that they've done, they could have, I think it would have behooved them more just to pull a. Because like she could have just been there, but just like not a part of the action. Yeah, I d- I thought it was unnecessary to do. Yeah. like, they kill the character that's, off. That's
0: more of that thing where you just feel like it's like the actor doesn't want to do more. Or, yeah, like, but or they, like or like the studio doesn't have anything to you know. It's just it doesn't feel organic. Yeah, it doesn't they, feel like because it's not as if like. Ken Watanabe is, like, inspired, or anybody's really inspired by your... You know, usually when you have a character that's, like, been established in a previous movie, it's, like, that's, like, the thing where it's, like... You know, like, Ken Watanabe in this movie... Right. ...when he eventually gets to his moment, that's a character... You know, that's kind of an... That's eventually, like, oh, we... we, It's a big
1: earned moment. It's a earned
0: moment. It's just, like... If you're gonna kill, like, an established character... Yeah. Like, you gotta... Give them a moment.
1: Yeah, and and listen, I get it. Like, I kind of see the like because if we're talking about any of the characters, like I get like if you had to not include somebody in this movie, like probably I would get like if you don't want to include her that much, because Sarazawa is the more just just the more interesting of the two. Um but they could have just had like she's at the meeting, and then she's like, "I'm gonna be at like another like put her at the 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 Mothra egg site or something like yeah. have her just she does you just didn't need to kill her off like it just seemed like an unnecessary yeah have move her to make. have
0: her deal with uh the guy from Kong Skull Island
1: yeah which you were one hundred percent right and he is played by uh. Joe Morton yeah. from uh, Terminator Two, yeah, um, but yeah, you. I have to be honest. So yeah, as so a big fan we, of this franchise. You, you were the one who. Uh, well, I, that. he
0: he was a black guy wearing glasses. Like you don't see that all every day. You Do- saw it in Kong <laughs> Skull Island. You saw it in this one, Doctor uh, Houston
1: Brooks, who, like you said, was the uh, character in Kong Skull Island. Uh, that is uh, him
0: at the uh, Mothra uh, cocoon site. I still think at some point we're gonna get older, Tom Hiddleston. Yeah. Not Tom Hiddleston being older, but like we're gonna get that character like older. Um but anyways, let's let's yeah. get to the monster stuff. We've been talking yeah. for a very long time. Yeah. We got to get to the monster stuff. Yes. Where do you want to start? Uh, do you want to just go monster by monster? Let's just
1: let's just go uh, I mean, I have the order right here that I would want to talk about. Okay. Um, uh let's talk about Godzilla first. Um the biggest thing that I think that this movie uh effectively did and I don't want to say that the last movie didn't do because I think this is a proper extension of that last movie. Yeah. I think by the end of this movie Godzilla is the icon, Godzilla is the character. I think that seeing it again um you I caught a little bit more of like there's moments in this movie actually where Godzilla is like, has a personality. Like, there's moment, like, there's that moment when he pushes Ghidorah through the building and there's a cut to him and there's a little bit of, like, I got you. Like, and it was
0: just kind of, like, awesome to see that, it, like, it, that they're really adding it. It's really cool to see that, like, in that CG. Because yeah. that's the stuff you would get in, like, you know, Mechagodzilla. Like, that's the stuff you would get in, like, those later show-out, like, era films in the suit where he's just kind of, like, you know, Well, you know, like, Godzilla's, like, jumping up and down and, like, doing the boxing senses and stuff like that in those Mm -hmm. movies. But it's, like, little solo moments like that, but seeing them kind of in in CG form is really neat. Um, But But I I do like like that they mean, like, in general, I think they do retain, like, that sense of scale Mm -hmm. um, with... This movie now I do think it's more effective in 2014, and it's one of the reasons I love that movie so much is like is like the way that Gareth Edwards plays with the with the the sense of scale. Where I think sometimes it gets a little bit lost more so in this movie, but you still feel the bigness of Godzilla and like the bigness of these fights, and I think that's something that you know maybe isn't as I'm. Isn't as amazing as it was in twenty fourteen, but it's still very, very expect- effective to me.
1: No, I mean it still works. I think that it's a, almost a trade off of the type of movie being made here mm-hmm. because this movie is definitely more of like big action set pieces and like and not not and just kind of like everything's moving everywhere, whereas the. 2014 was methodically kind of like paced and like slowly like revealing and stuff. So I I would definitely uh, uh, agree. And not to say that I think that the stuff in here is bad. I actually think like visually and like what they do with the creatures and especially like when they get close to the creatures, very impressive still. Mm -hmm. But, but I think that's what it is because I think that while 2014 did maybe a little bit better job of having that scale and representing these big Titans as these big monsters uh, like, these creatures that are just, like, kind of, like, the source of, like, the the disaster. I felt this time around that this was the time where Godzilla felt like this is, like, the one where all the kids are going to be like, yeah, Godzilla! Yeah. And I think that that's important. Like, I no, like yeah. the 2014 one, but I want to get to this Godzilla mm. being, like, the one... I don't want him to be just like the giant monster who's the who's the storm. I want him to be the creature with the personality. And yeah. I think that this movie that by the what, end earns that.
0: That's what makes those Godzilla movies so fun to watch. Yeah. Is this like when you get those little bits of personality. Uh
1: he did the one scene though that I think does is more reminiscent of the 2014 one that I think is effective in the same way the 2014 one is his first introduction swimming towards the underwater base Mm -hmm. and uh like that whole like him glowing like the the flashing yeah the flashing like he's underwater his his fins flashing yeah so like when he flashes you see him but because it's underwater when he's not flashing it's like pitch black and it's kind of like this this i i i thought that was like a really because you know who godzilla is and admittedly it's kind of tough to be like, cause you're always going to be like Godzilla appears. He's like gums through a horizon or he's like bursting out of the ocean. And I thought this was a very cool new, let's introduce Godzilla in a cool yeah. way. I thought that scene, uh, that scene was awesome. But, and ultimately like what else is there uh, to say about Godzilla? We there, get burning a, Godzilla. Yeah. So we <laughs> get burning Godzilla from uh, Destoroyah. Yeah. Think, yeah.
0: Um, so we also should met. So, um, we got to talk about the fact that. So we got to talk about like. I think it's it's time to kind of get to where that Ken Watanabe scene gets to. Like yeah. That so how do we get to the scene with Ken Watanabe that we're going to talk about? So obviously we're going to talk about the other monsters, but basically no, because this is like
1: this is the scene I want to like yeah. really. Delve but basically,
0: into. what happens right is that we're having all these fights with monsters, and we're going to talk about our other monster friends. Yeah yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Essentially, you know, they're trying to like, you know, everybody's trying to get to Godzilla. But then our military friends come in mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, uh, you guys can stand down. Well, we've got this new weapon yeah. called the Oxygen Destroyer.
1: <laughs> there were several points in this movie like that where Nick and I were probably the loudest one in our rows.
0: I I, I let out a big laugh at the Oxygen Destroyer. I'm sure everybody else in that theater was very confused. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like a missile called the Oxygen Destroyer. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. Like, that's a way to get a really cool, like, reference into, like, the movie. Yeah. But basically, they the Oxygen Destroyer missile hits Godzilla, and he seemingly is dead. Yeah. Yeah. But then they eventually track him into this. Like they eventually realize that he is still alive
1: mm-hmm. because there's this. There's this question earlier in the movie, like, well, where is Godzilla going? Why can't we always keep tabs on right. him? And it goes another, back to
0: the the Hollow Earth from
1: from Kong Skull Island, um, because that was introduced there. Yes, and the Brad Whit- Whitford, is he's the one who's like saying, like, well, this is the only way that he could be getting away. So ultimately when they're after him because he's dead and then when kyle chandler has his like mothra epiphany with the de- deus ex mossera yeah. um he uh says like all right well we're going to use nuclear weapons to revive godzilla mothra shows them the way and
0: what, what uh, kyle chandler you know in one of those very like american movie lines where he just looks at how many nukes do you have? <laughs>
1: um, so they ultimately find an underground civilization.
0: See, like, seemingly like basically like, Atla- like it, Atlantis. Like they don't call it Atlantis. They don't call it Atlantis, but they it's essentially like they find Atlantis. Like yeah. they find this ancient underwater or city. Or
1: is it Cetopia?
0: Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> uh, but they basically find this underwater city and they see like all the hieroglyphics of like Godzilla and these monsters, and basically mm-hmm. confirming like these were like truly gods at one point. Mm-hmm. And then they find Godzilla basically in his resting place, like mm-hmm. he's basically around, surrounded by this like air pocket, like this air pocket with like nuclear energy that's like kind of radiating from it. And basically, they find out like, okay, this is where he comes to recover. But they're like, well, why can't we? <laughs> we just... ain't got time for that. Yeah. <laughs> basically, like, well, if we come reco- if we let him recover naturally, it'll take years. Mm-hmm. So we gotta use the nukes. Mm-hmm. But. The
1: um no the, like they can't get there because there's too much radiation. You have to do it manually. Well, no, no,
0: no. It's the sub the uh, the uh, the submarine gets it swallowed into the vortex of the hollow earth. Yeah, and like it gets damaged, yeah. and they can't shoot the missiles. Right. Yeah. So basically, they have to say, well, if anybody were to do it, we'd have to do it manually, and there's mm-hmm. no way you're escaping that. And then Sarozawa volunteers. Yeah. I was all about all of this. Like, mm-hmm. and this was, like, the thing where
1: I was enjoying the movie, but this was all the stuff where I'm, like, okay, Doherty is introducing something here. Like, he is making his stamp in the franchise because there's the there's the obvious thing about, like, the revelation that it seems very rote that, like, oh, you like, civilizations worshipped Godzilla. But it's not just that. There's something to me that was very interesting about this whole lesson and thematics of coexistence that – Godzilla despite being like this big like this big monster this is where he was going all these years he was going back to his home his resting place was at the altar that was in a human society mm-hmm. and that that's where he was always going back to like through essentially through all these times and that there was this kind of, like, since Sarazawa has this whole lesson about forgiveness and humility, and he has, like, this connection to the Godzilla. Him- and it's,
0: like, a, it's even related to, again, his his time with Hiroshima and that sort of thing, again, from 2014. Right. just, like, eventually time passes on, and you gotta, you know, forgive.
1: And, and I think that this is where it did find a good way of, like, being where Godzilla is, like, they're not making this an all-right, like, an all-out, like, man's relationship with God, but they are framing it that way by framing it as like, you know, the gods that we worshipped and that there was yeah, such a, like, that was a real thing in this yeah. world. It wasn't like, you're right, the creator god, it was more of like the entities that we, that we were more like bowing the, at yeah, the g- feet. like the Greek gods and stuff like that. And, and the whole scene, man, where... Well,
0: I mean, it, it is it's literally Ken Watanabe coming up the steps of the altar to like talk to Godzilla. Even
1: right before then, like when the music kicks in and like his little sub is like entering just, like, the doorways mm-hmm. of the of the whole temple, and then when he, like, goes up the altar, essentially giving a sacrifice yeah. to this deity, and then having this moment where, and again, and I think, like, maybe we take it for granted, but, like, I don't, like... I'm not sure. Maybe like the audience of masses know like Godzilla is like this guy who's cool with humans, and then Godzilla is like just like opens his eyes and shares this friendly, intimate moment with Sarazawa. And when he says goodbye, old friend, I'm getting choked up just yeah. thinking about like, dude, this. And I it sh- was all about. I think it's also
0: like again we kind of is. I think it'll, there's sometimes in those bad Godzilla movies is when it's purely like the destructor like type of deal. Mm -hmm. But I think the best of the Godzilla movies is the Godzilla movies that show Godzilla has some sort of intelligence. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what that moment shows is that he recognizes kind of the oddness of the situation Mm -hmm. where he's like, you know, normally at this point, you know, this city is abandoned. Like nobody ever comes. You know, there's not, it's not like, anybody ever shows up to when he's resting here. Right. And just that moment, you can kind of see it in his eyes where he's just kind of confused, but he like allows the moment to happen essentially. Yeah. And, and even like, like after he recovers and comes back up and again, that moment we've talked about with Kyle Chandler, where he basically like he and Kyle Chandler kind of stare down and then like, they just kind of have that moment. And Godzilla only you can even see it. Like he kind of recognizes that it's these people probably he has to thank, you know. Yeah, and it and it works cover.
1: story-wise because it's essentially saying like Godzilla has a history of being coexistent with humans. Yeah. Like so to him, like that is but like, it, in his DNA.
0: But you're absolutely right in terms of that moment with Sarazal and Godzilla is very beautiful and probably the the best like individual moment. Of anything in this movie yeah
1: no i think it i think it's the best scene of the in this it's the best scene in the movie i think for me it's a it's a highlight scene of the franchise because it's like we've always said that godzilla is like a, has been portrayed as a hero of humanity and it was just so beautiful not to just assume that but to actually dr- uh dramatize mm-hmm. that in an intimate way and i was i was all about that and like just i can't give enough chef kisses c- kisses to that scene and like both times i've seen it like my heart just like uh ugh, i can't i can't take it um but uh nick not all the monsters are are friendly no. and, and good uh in which we get to our villain of the movie
0: nick uh is this maybe the best
1: king A 100 percent. yeah
0: so because here's the thing i love the suit stuff you know i'll say first of all you know Ghidorah's one of my favorite monsters in this in this franchise and Ghidorah, the three-headed monster is the second best of these movies other than 54 like i just think at this point like it's I don't know what, what's going to beat Ghidra. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but the thing about this Ghidorah is it does kind of show you, like, Ghidorah is kind of made better with that CG-ness to him. Yeah. Because I like the original, you know, I think that how they did, like, the original costume and the original suits and stuff and the puppetry is great. But there is only so much you can do, especially we've mentioned back when we first designed it, but like how hard it is to do that because that suit is so, you know, bottom heavy, you know, with right, yeah, your head, yeah, it's, yeah. it's hard to kind of do much.
1: It's definitely a cool effect. It's a cool yeah. effect,
0: but there's, there's only so much you can do with that. And that's where some of the kind of lesser Ghidorah appearances happen. Right. With the full CGness of the movie... Like, it's really just the ultimate version of what Ghidorah can be. It's really using the three heads effectively and giving them different personalities and having them... Which in was fighting, awesome. Which was infighting, which you can't... Again, you can't really do with the puppetry like, it effectively. It's kind of like the dragon design. It's making him huge, gives him the big wings, makes him heavy, makes him effective... It's just, this is this is the best Ghidorah has ever been. I and think it's, that, it's the coolest, yeah. it's the most effective he's ever been. And it probably ca- will ever will be. And
1: uh, a key that we should mention is that they motion-captured... Uh, they actually motion-captured, I think, a lot of the uh, Titans' faces, but... Uh, they got three separate uh motion capture actors to play each yeah. of the individual heads yeah. and then there was fun stuff like like uh Doherty has said that the middle head is the boss yeah you can um, tell that too the I i I felt like uh the right head was more of like the feral dog and then the, the left head was more of like the the bumbling one yeah like it, like there's there was a lot of like that the middle head snapping at the left head and like just being like hey come on let's get get your act together yeah. like I, like there there's one awesome moment where the head's kind of like slouching, and then like Ghidorah, like like you like bites it. And it's like it's like come on, like get up. And I, I thought I thought that was great. I would almost argue that in the same way that the 2014 movie really reinvented Godzilla himself in an effective way. I think that Doherty gives that treatment to Ghidorah yeah. in this movie. Mm-hmm. I think out of all the Titans, it, it's just a home run of a character. And I and I think that they respect the origins of the character uh, and it makes sense in the story. I love how he's an alien and therefore his role in the story is unnatural. And he Yeah, they rep- even
0: mention that he's basically like a, you know, a non, you know, I forget what He's not, name.
1: he's just not part, he's otherworldly, he's not part of like the natural for, order it's of like,
0: It's like they use the technical term but they basically, oh, invasive species. Yes. That's what mm-hmm. the term they use. So it's, that's a real like thing in, in nature where if a species comes into a place where it doesn't belong, it can really mess up the ecosystem. Right, yeah. Like, yeah, I know like the real life story is that there was this fish that was introduced to this pond in Africa because mm-hmm. it like, oh, like this would make the, you know, make it a better fishing town. But because it was that way, it ate like the plants and that it messed up the ecosystem because now all the other things didn't have plants to eat. Right. Same thing. It's basically like Go- Gojira. Ghidorah mm-hmm. is an invasive species. It's, it's something that does not belong. And now that because that's the whole thing with what Ghidorah does is that once he's truly freed he awakens all the other titans. Mm-hmm. And again, that was not part of Charles Dance's and Environment Figure Figure's plan. And then they basically figure out that, you know, because Ghidorah is you know, the, the other crew he's an invasive species, he's, he's he's an alpha predator that does not belong on Earth, mm-hmm. which is Godzilla's the true alpha predator. You mean he's an alien? Yeah.
1: When Kyle Chandler said that, I was like, yes, so, but basically, yes. because
0: of that, like he is going to literally destroy the earth. Whereas he Godzilla, is, as an alpha predator, would bring would would bring balance to the to the force. Yeah. Um, well, because they because
1: they also mentioned that like he's not only destroying it, but he's forming it to his own needs. Like he's controlling all the other kaiju. To he's Planet X. King. Yes. Um, but uh, like everywhere, like everything about and. It's interesting because it's a very smart thing, plot-wise and just world-building-wise, that he is unnatural. He shoots lightning out of his yeah. out of his heads. He can regrow a head instantly. Yeah. Everywhere he goes, a, a hurricane follows him. Like yeah. everything about him is unnatural. So I thought that was all very. It was kind of, of funny. It was done. like,
0: oh, we like we lost Ghidorah in this like hurricane, and then they figure out, no, no, Ghidorah is the <laughs> hurricane dude come on but like the even like the lightning how they do the lightning in this movie is is like really effective uh you know just the wings mm-hmm. and again like when he flies up it's just that feel that weightiness but somehow it still works and and the biggest thing about him that I think it may be you
1: unique to to the franchise is that he's his own he works on his own volition in this one like mm-hmm. he uh, he has his own agency in this movie whereas like we've always seen him be like, uh, a pawn of an alien scheme. Like, I guess, like, in Ghidorah, in Gidra or Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster, he was kind of that way, but I guess it's just made a little bit more compelling here only because they give him the personality. Yeah. But there is something about, like, most of his appearances, I should say, he's, like, the pawn, the weapon of an alien. Yes. And I think that for him, he just felt like a villain. Like, when he shows up at Fenway at the end, it feels like the boss has shown up. Yeah it it, it's it, just all it, it
0: really does feel like even his first appearance when he breaks out of the ice. It mm-hmm. it kind of feels like even in that moment it's like, "Oh boy, okay, the ga- the game has changed." Just yeah. because you can feel that presence.
1: Um, so, uh, so, uh, I think we can move on, uh, to our next monster, the next monster that, uh, well, n- n- not technically, so I shouldn't reveal it that way, but Rodan, uh, <laughs> also known as, I guess, the, the fired, uh, demon, demon yeah. in, in this one. Um, that Rodan sequence not was... Not gigantus. No, not... <laughs> uh, that Rodan sequence was cool. Yeah. Um it's very well done shades of shadow of the Colossus in there mm-hmm. a little bit seeing it again. I just thought like, I
0: like they, cause he breaks out of a volcano again yeah. and there's a big eruption and they kind of use a little bit like not, as much and as cool as like Fire O'Dan from Mechagodzilla 2 mm-hmm. um, but they use that kind of aspect where he does have kind of a fiery nature to him natu- yeah. natru-
1: naturally like molten his his skin is almost molten rock is yeah. like what has mm-hmm. been the, the the design choice they did
0: some cool stuff with him it's not as strong like it's not it is not as cool as he is in in Mechagodzilla 2 like that still is his strongest appearance but they do some cool things i think like the, the when he turns and like hits yeah. all hits all the uh I the planes that, i thought that was really cool yeah and i think the and whole the, sequence the, the, of, the way they do the winds is great as well the, that's great i think like i thought that whole sequence was a really good um
1: i, I mean All things considered, because I think that you're right, like Mechagodzilla 2 is still the best Rodan, but this I thought was a decent, I thought this was the proper role for Rodan in this movie, because ultimately he becomes like the lead lieutenant of uh, Ghidorah's army. He's basically
0: like kind of the henchman kind of deal. And like the type of henchman where it's like, oh, once Godzilla kind of comes into power at the end, he's like, okay, well, I I pledge my allegiance to you type of deal. Which is,
1: I think actually like kind of smart story-wise, because... You have the moment at the end when all the monsters yeah, are we'll talk, I think we'll talk about it a little yeah. bit. Yeah. But you have that moment, but I think it is effective when you had a creature throughout the movie who has shown like it, it just it's yeah. a little bit more impactful if like you have the longevity of at least one monster and then show that and especially like with the, at the end of the movie seeing it a second time. Godzilla kind of gives him a look too. Like yeah. when Rodan comes down and Godzilla's like, ah, don't make me slay. And Rodan's like, no, 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 like you're you're we're, the we're cool. You're 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 the king. Yeah. And so I I was happy with the with the role uh that Ro that Rodan uh and I
0: think I think it also like Rodan is also an element of like how to present these Titans as as animals but also gods. Because what basically happens is that they're trying to evacuate the city in Mexico where mm-hmm. he's, you know basically destroying everything and then you know Charles dance like you know gets gets Rodan and like erupts Rodan earlier than and just you know then people can evacuate but they're still evacuating people mm-hmm. and so they're basically saying okay let's lead Rodan to Ghidorah, and then they can kind of fight mm-hmm. and then we can still evacuate the city that was but- another
1: great moment when Kyle Chandler's like because they don't know and he's like he's like he's either going there he's like is either coming here for food a fight or something more intimate. I don't know. <laughs> like, I thought that was a But fun basically, kind of
0: how that works is that, yeah, Godir- uh, uh, Ghidorah. Ghidorah and Rodan mm-hmm. do have a little bit of a fight. Mm-hmm. But when Ghidorah does show the upper hand, that's when Rodan basically pledges his allegiance to Ghidorah. Yeah. And I think that's just an interesting way to say, like, yeah, like, they are animals. They will naturally just fight because they're two, like, flying yeah, animals. they fight for supremacy. they fight for supremacy. But then, like, once one wins... That's kind of the golly nature of it, where it's like, okay, you are the superior god, you are the Zeus of us, right? Yeah. So I will bow to you. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the last of the the last of our kaiju, uh,
1: d- despite some bittersweet stuff about her, has been interesting that it has kind of in the my in the circles that I've seen and in social media has kind of gotten a crowd favorite, uh, of of things. Well,
0: how can she not? I mean. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like, okay, go ahead. Really briefly, like, I'll get you- I'll let you get to your point. No, no, no. I I wanna wanna hear it. Despite how generally brief her appearances are in this movie, Mothra still presents herself as the best. Like, Mothra is still the coolest. Like, I love Mothra. Even though they don't really like, here's the thing. I, I mentioned this to you in the theater they don't go all in on like the total spirituality of that character. Mm-hmm. Like we don't get the fairies. Like we don't get like the worshipers. Like we don't really get any of that, but they still tab into the fact that she is just more mystical mm-hmm. than any of these other Kaiju that she does have that kind of in this world where we're presenting these creatures at gods. she just feels like the most godly mm-hmm. in terms of just that, like traditional godliness, like the, that holy feeling that she has with her, and that's something that I love that they kept consistent throughout all of these like appearances. Like even when she doesn't have the fairies and other appearances, it still has that mythical quality. And I think they really present that. And I think that's what I think that that is what gets people uh, into Mothra. Yeah. And I think that's because she is so unique and so just interesting
1: to watch and of course like in there is something cool about there being a queen of the monsters yeah and you know i think like i thought um man like where where do i start with like let me just start at the pure basic level very happy with the visual representation of i thought like the model and the look of the character like I was it was always the character I was like interested in and I and I was accepting but I was never quite sold just from the trailers like how both the larva I was a little bit more favorable to the to the butterfly form but after the movie came out like in watching it I was very on board with how the larva looked yeah. um that it wasn't just a giant worm it was kind of like this caterpillar Napa, Napa with arms down, yeah. and, and, and stuff and uh and I really liked that the, the I, I just really like the the reinvention and the modern look of this of this new yeah. Mothra, mm-hmm. and I, I thought that they found that perfect balance of because I think what the the movie is trying to say is that Mothra is more of that spiritual, uh, is more of that spiritual monster and a um and uh has who has a symbiotic relationship with everybody in nature but will fight if need if need yes. be and I think that the the I think what the movie's really trying to present is like she's not a fighter first but she will fight mm-hmm. which makes some of like her role in the movie a little bit easier to 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 swallow but um I think that while the bittersweet stuff is about like she may not get at she she may feel like she gets a little bit lost in the plot sometimes I think what would have been key that was missing in the movie I think that maybe one more scene of them cutting back to, like, the cocoon. Yeah. Just just something to kind of, like, like even when those plant other, like, that that's, yeah. some, that, that's, that's a some, thing there. Yeah. Because like, that is a yeah.
0: thing that does get kind of lost. Because it's also because then she appears again, and then, like, you kind of have all this other fight in, in, in Boston, and then she kind of comes in for that last moment with her. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, again, just one or two more cuts back to her. Yeah. Would have been effective, and but it, I still think – but again, like it just shows how kind of I think it just shows how naturally cool Mothra is. Where it's well, like she does get so little moments, but the moments she has are so impactful. But I thought about this: is uh, is us feeling that it's a little
1: it, that she has too little of a moment? Is that more of us just seeing Godzilla movies and knowing that like we've had stories where? she they basically like really delve into the mythology because from what i'm seeing people are like whoa mothra like this is cool and they like her role in the movie like and like it's more of for i think mothra in this movie plays more to that general audience yeah
0: i i don't know if it's more so that we know the mythology mm-hmm. i guess it is more so that i guess when you really come down to it, this movie is really just about Ghidorah versus Godzilla. Mm-hmm. And I just think you're... I think, again, it might be more so not more so the mythology, but just you're more used to kind of the the ally monsters. Mm-hmm. And I guess, like, you know, you were kind of... Because even Rodan, I feel like, just gets a little bit more to do in his, like, major sequence. Yeah. Because, again, like, Mothra has her hatching. Which well, he gets more... I I Let me... I would say I, he gets just, more action. He gets more action, yeah. yeah. I just feel like a little bit more Mothra action would still been fine. Like, I don't know if yeah, I yeah. need, like, the more mythology stuff, because, again, that's very specific. Well, and I, I also yeah. think, like, I do think that there is room to, like, add that mythology stuff at some point. Like, mm. maybe not, again, maybe not the fairy specifically. Like, you don't need to do that. Mm. But you could do, like, the, the Birth Island and the – or the – I'm using the wrong island. What's her island? Or it's birth island. Yeah. Right? It, it, uh, oh no, infant island. Infant island. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So you could use the infant island and like the worshiping and stuff like that. You could yeah. still kind of like well, like in 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 if yeah. we wanted to expand upon that if we ever see her again. But like like I said, I think like her her moments on screen she makes an impact.
1: Well, I I should I should uh, clarify. I think it's not necessarily more of like like do we need the stuff, but it's like because like there is like a sense of like oh okay like now they're like they used to like in the previous movies we've seen them make a real meal out of like here's a butt here's a giant butterfly where and i wonder if that's just me thinking like oh well they have to go through those beats versus a general audience who this is getting introduced to like that is like a big like reveal to them and mm-hmm. that they're introducing like you know for you know the they can only spend but so much screen time doing every single thing but I, I I don't know because I just feel like the reaction to Mothra has been very positive like yes. everybody seems to love yeah. this character because regardless anyways regardless of like our personal maybe bittersweet stuff I love her role in the movie and thematically how it plays out. I've already mentioned how she's the angel that comes from the sky and she has this relationship with Godzilla and she is more of this beautiful beacon of hope. I love the scene of like just the image of – because I think what works from plot wise is that they keep her obscured as the butterfly most of the time and everything that Doherty wants you to see about her is the beautiful wings and Mm -hmm. like – and how what that means uh, spiritually and thematically, and it's not until the badass diving from the sky moment that you get the full on face and then like the the, the the roar and then like shooting Ghidorah with like the silk and then now she's off to battle and I think that like that's why that I think that oh yeah she, there is there is, uh, there is a method to the madness when she uses
0: her that. silk to attach a Ghidorah head to the the building that's awesome. And then you still get the like the, oh, the her sacrifice as well. Yeah, and and I think that um, and then
1: but that's what shows her being like having that symbiotic, more spiritual relationship. Where yeah, she can fight, but her role is mostly going to be like she does give her life. Because one of the things I do like about the character and how they present her is like I think that they are introducing the myth, the mystical stuff. It's just because we get so inundated with like how talky the movie is and explaining everything. I just think this is the one thing that they just didn't explain because when the cocoon is in the, in the, in the waterfall and then starts to ha- hatch, like right before that happens, there's like the, like almost feels like the stars are coming down. Like these yeah. like mystical things are coming down and that's, what's uh making her be born. And then she transforms into that upon her death to give Godzilla, the burning Godzilla powers at the end. And what I love about Mothra in this movie that you can almost read it as Mothra is the pure spiritual character. Cause when you think about her role in the movie, she gets born around the same time that all these events are happening. And uh, then she goes to, you know, cocoon herself and that she becomes the butterfly. She flies straight to Monarch and then like helps them find Godzilla and then assists Godzilla. So while all these other creatures are part of like the natural order of things, is mothra the spiritual one that's sent here by other spiritual forces to aid all this stuff
0: along maybe there is hope for the fairies at some point maybe (laughs) maybe there's still
1: hope um and then um real quick and then also i liked it because noticing it the second time is like uh, that they do portray Mothra as being like the peaceful monster if you notice in that first scene and I may have to see it again but she doesn't kill anybody in that no. first scene as the larva like she's either tying them up with the silk or she's like throwing them in because I, I remember that she ate somebody but she actually just picks them up and throws them into a web yeah. so it's just kind of nice that and they and have... it's more
0: so that def- it feel like more defending herself as opposed to being like violent right yeah so while I will
1: have some of that selfish fan bittersweetness like I was very happy thematically I- and story I, I, wise. I mean it's
0: just like again like I love Mothra yeah. and I think that this movie just showcases again if it's not the full extent of why I love Mothra it, it gives you a really good taste
1: yeah and well we should mention that they do nod to the twins
0: <laughs> yeah
1: so she, uh, so the actress's name is uh do 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 uh fuck where's my paper Oh, sorry, here we go. Uh Zhang uh Shangxi, uh who plays um Dr. uh Eileen Chen and Dr. Ling Chen. Uh and uh Eileen Chen plays like the um she is a uh, mythologist who works for Monarch. Yeah. And he, I, I thought she kind of brought like it was nice to see like another Asian person yeah. in these movies yeah. and it really and she I, felt I liked, like she I liked belonged. Her. And I liked her quite a bit. Um, the reveal of that she has a twin sister weirdly worked better for me the second time when I realized like, oh, that's for us.
0: <laughs> yeah, I didn't even realize until you just mentioned it. Now, that yeah, that, that's what that point that's is. That's her
1: twin. Because in the next scene, basically, what they're saying is she's a third generation monarch from a family of twins, like mm-hmm. that there's always like a twin. And you know, it's not the fairy, but I thought it was like a nice spiritual nod to, and you can the, still get the fairies at some point. Yeah, now, maybe. yeah. <laughs> Who
0: knows? Um, so we've been talking for a very long time. Um, I think we need to wrap up, but do we want to talk about like brief potted highlights of the monster action in this movie just kind of like the standout moments in these fights yeah i'm just maybe looking... not going over step by step like what all the actions were but like no, no, what, what mean... are the what are the best fight moments in this movie because this movie has a lot of fights yes and it's kind of in that realm of like those old Shoah fight movies yeah. where it's just like kind of kind of big brawls towards like but still like kind of a mixture of like kind of having a lot of monsters like those kind of like destroy all monster and like Ghidra had, Mm -hmm. but more so in the style of like kind of the Biolanti and like the, you know, the, the Hasey fight sort of more so kind of in that, that pacing. Um, yes, at one point, uh, in the end fight, Ghidorah does pick up Godzilla. We, we, we did like, we were like, well, is it going to be Rodan that picks up Godzilla? But this (laughs) this one, it's Ghidorah who, uh, picks up Godzilla raises them up basically above the clouds that in the awesome. atmosphere and just drops them down. That, that uh, was awesome. Which, was, which is good. I mean, Ghidorah's only done that to Anguirus before. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. Um, there's Godzilla do, did bite off one of Ghidorah's heads at one point. That mm-hmm. was great. Um, so the burning Godzilla stuff was like crazy. Because basically, they basically do it like, you know, where... Serozawa so, Sar- or- does that nuke. Yeah. And then... Uh, wh- you know, Brad has his like, oh, like he really juiced him up line, but basically says like he gave him too much nuclear energy. He's gonna melt down. He's gonna he's explode. gonna explode. Yeah. And then when Mothra comes in and kind of does like she basically like you know heals him, heals him. Yeah. And he awakens as Burning Godzilla and starts like doing like you know basically like nuclear pulses. Yeah. Like it, like it, like
1: so badass. That was very cool. And basically
0: <laughs> like basically how it turns out is that those pulses essentially like. And, like, in addition to his atomic breath, like, pulls out, like, basically burns Ghidorah. Mm -hmm. Like, and basically turns him to ash. Because the whole thing about Ghidorah is that he can regenerate, which we find out because he's an alien. Mm -hmm. And so how do you not make him regenerate? Basically, like... You know, just kind disintegrate of disintegrate, disintegrate them and then like eat the one head and basically like blow that head to smithereens. And and even above like the fights like
1: that, I thought like that there were even fun fights with like Ghidorah and Rodan up in like just yeah, seeing that, two flying creatures like fight seen, each other,
0: especially in like a CG environment where yeah. like you don't have the awkwardness of the puppets kind of. Uh,
1: what did you think about the overall look of the fights?
0: I generally liked the look of the mm-hmm. fights. Uh, definitely, like, felt like it was some cool shots. There were some points where you did find they were doing the like kind of CG battle, like, oh, we have snow or dust or clouds, mm-hmm. so it's a little
1: bit the particle effect, particle and... or like
0: it's at night or you know stuff yeah. like that. Um, some of them were a little bit. I think like, I think the end fight, all the end fight stuff was solid. Mm-hmm. I think that the Rodan, Ghidorah. Battle was solid. And I think the second Ghidorah Godzilla moment, like before the Oxygen tutorial hits him was solid, mm-hmm. I did find... There were some cool moments in that first Antarctic fight, mm-hmm. but that one was a little bit hard to follow at some yeah. points. Like, that was the one where I was like... Again, there were some really cool moments in there, and I still felt like we were getting like that great monster action that I do love in these Godzilla movies. Mm-hmm. But that first fight is a little bit harder to follow because I still... like I think because that one more so than the other ones... They're kind of trying to go between the, like, oh, we're watching this monster fight, but then we're also kind of doing the 2014 Godzilla thing of, like, we're kind of looking at it from a human perspective, and, like, these giant monsters are kind of fighting. And I feel like that one didn't mix it well enough. So we were kind of going between, like, these, you know, kind of the soldiers and, like, the, the human characters, Kyle Chandler, trying to escape, but then we're also trying to get this cool monster action. And it's, like, that one didn't fit as well I don't think it was bad, Mm -mm. but it just didn't fit as well as the rest of the fights. I did feel like after that, the rest of the fights I thought were very all solidly directed.
1: So my second viewing of this was in a good, a really good size but normal theater. Mm -hmm. I found the visual representation of all the monsters and all the action way more enjoyable in that environment. Because, and I almost had this thought of, like, because I enjoyed the monster fights overall, but I was kind of having that complaint where I'm like, it's a little too busy, like, and I can't, I can't necessarily follow everything. Then I watched some videos, like, at home, like, this morning, like, because I didn't watch any of the trailers, so I went back and watched, like, some of the trailers and TV spots, and I was like, why is it that I feel like I can follow some of the action a little bit better, and then I saw it basically in a format where it's not IMAX and I can just see the entire screen like right in front of me. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I followed everything way more considerably than I did. And it was, it was super strange. I can't speak to anything other than my own experience, but I had a much more favorable experience of like how it was visually represented. Um, and I, I do think that, um, you know, and it's also another thing about the misrepresentation of this movie because then some other people are kind of making it seem like it's just wall to wall monster oh, totally fighting all not. the time. Like if
0: if anything, they're like, I would I would believe more people if they're like there was too much human stuff. It's really not like wall to wall. Yeah, monster action. I mean, there's there's on a,
1: average it's pro it is more than, than twenty fourteen. Than but it's not like it's just you're just pummeled with like monster action like my personal opinion and while i do like all the stuff in this movie and ultimately when i saw it again i love all the action i do like the the wacky scale that they're bringing to it i think kong still wins in the department of like monster fights um because th- this movie is still kind of a slave to like doing the as patch as our friend patrick put it the universal ride of like it does show you the big moments, but then it cuts back down to the ground to show a moment. And mm-hmm. so there's a little bit of that. That Like, the one thing I liked about Kong was Kong did treat its monster fights as fight scenes and yeah. that they were big choreographed fights, whereas this one would be, like, a bunch of really, really cool moments, and then they would cut down, like, at, at times when I feel like you, you didn't need to do that. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's bad. I think it still works, but... Like let's choreograph. Like I would have maybe have preferred that, but I I was ultimately satisfied with with what with what we got, especially watching it. A yeah, no, time. I, I
0: I was very happy, but yeah. it's just like and even like I did find it
1: fun like to see like Rodan and Mothra tussle in the air too, and then also she gets a badass moment taking down uh, right. Rodan. Um, in the in the last few minutes we have here, uh, I think we touched upon we touched upon the human characters, the um the um
0: oh uh, what did you think of the score? Oh, dude. Like, um, Awesome having the theme back. It's awesome having the theme back, and I was glad we did get a little bit of a hint of the Mothra song.
1: Yeah, well, here's the thing. The Mothra song is more of a motif in the movie. Yes. Like, it's in there. There is a track in the in the actual soundtrack of, like, his whole suite of the Mothra yeah. theme. Which it, so, no, Bear McCreary did the score. I think he knocked it out of the park. Yeah. I think he did a really good job. I think he absolutely crushed using the Godzilla theme. Yes,
0: it's amazing because, like, I and I, I like the twenty fourteen score. Like, I do like that Me too. score, but it is like when you hear that theme, it's like, how can you not use this theme if this theme is available to you to use? Because mm-hmm. I think it's one of those things where. It is a theme that I feel like kind of is slept on from a general populist perspective because Mm -hmm. just people don't know that theme because it's really like its appearances have all been in those Japanese Godzilla movies, which I just have not had that you know that that type of cultural impact where like people might know it but not know it, but hearing it in like a big like American release that lots of people are gonna see and like. It just sounds awesome. It sounds great every time it's used with Godzilla. It fits so well. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same thing where I'm like, you know, like, how can you not use the Bond theme? You oh, know, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, not- that, it's that same respect where it's like, you know, what the, you know, like kind of like Craig, you know, Casino Royale using it till the end. It's mm-hmm. just like, you know, it's like it's cute, but it's just like you kind of you want, you know, you want a little bit more of it. I, I would suggest
1: everybody taking a listen to it. And um, even though, like, I don't think the entire suite made it in. in the suite isn't as is part of the soundtrack, but I would go listen to the, the Mothra and, like, what Bear did with that. I thought it was a really very respectful uh, and uh, great modern rendition of, like, how they would do it. Very tribal, almost feels like a waltz. Um, a couple brief things. Yeah, like very. La- last brief things. Last brief things. Let's uh, talk about brief things if they are both positive nitpicks or
0: any because we kind of like have covered i think our we feel like we've covered, we've covered, covered everything so yeah. um very interesting that we do have these other titans but most of them are original designs uh which i think on retrospect is smart because unlike yeah. like the one is that there is a spider type creature that you could just call kumunga if you wanted to yeah like there's nothing like that would define it but like it's kind of smart not using like stuff like Anguirus or Manda. Like maybe you could have gotten Manda in there. But, well, never but get... also
1: there's a logistic thing and I didn't I don't know why we didn't think about this before that that requires them getting the
0: rights to That's those true. monsters. That's yeah. true. Well, we we, we yeah. got we got a cool little like woolly mammoth type thing though. That like, was kind of cool. I kind
1: of like that. That that and I and it, it's so hard because I feel like that it's one of those things where on the screens yeah. Like, there's probably a bunch of stuff that I won't know until somebody puts out a still or a DVD. Or on a DVD. Um. um but, I, but yeah, I was uh in like again that bittersweet selfish nerd would have liked to, those monsters to be familiar monsters but I was happy with weird woolly mammoth yeah yeah. Um, and, and then this like
0: the ending it, shot because also of... I will say also it's not as if we got a lot of those monsters it basically was just like oh these other titans are awaking it's not like Godzilla fought these other things it's mm-hmm. basically used for like the end of the movie more than anything else yeah so like, like why waste like a familiar monster on there that? is
1: a there is a criticism that I think is valid but I also it didn't affect me it worked better for me the second time around where they do kind of pull the there's all these monsters coming up but that's a lot like relegated to just elsewhere in the world and it's not on screen so do you really feel the threat of that I would understand that criticism um but the second time once you feel the immense power and the threat of Ghidorah I think that speaks for the situation so I was okay Um, with that
0: yeah lots of cool shots um like lots of big shots lots of
1: big shots um Overall, I felt like watching it again. I felt like the plot was just breezier, knowing where it was going.
0: Yeah, as generally things are. Um, the one
1: thing, the one, one of the, I have a few nitpicks and a, a few like small criticisms. I think the one thing that that would have behooved this movie a little bit is maybe a couple more just quiet moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, that 2014 had those. This didn't really. I understand the Doherty, and I appreciate it, and I was, and I want it that he was, instead of having quiet moments, he was having the majestic moments of like Mothra coming through the clouds and Mothra being born and things like that. Um, or like the Sarazawa scene. But I do think that, you know, in 2014, we did have the little moments of like Ford, like making sure the kid got to his family and, or like calling his home and things like that. That there were a bunch of little moments like this that I, I do feel like that I was missing. Yeah, I can, from, I can agree with that. From, from this movie. Um, I was
0: about to say something else. Um,
1: um again, like I feel like there were like the scene we don't have to go over it, but like little scenes like it could I actually feel like this movie could have been a little shorter. Um and I feel like that would have solved some of the pacing problems. Mm-hmm. Like there was one scene where like Charles Dance and like Vera are going at it, but I realized on a second viewing, well, that is to explain how Millie Bobby Brown knows what the plan is. So that's how she does it. So I'm like, okay, so that's more obligatory. They need to do that. But I felt like I don't need to see the whole scene of her like being like, I'm going to take the car. Don't take the car. All right, here's a gun. All right, fine, take the car. Like I don't need that scene. No. Like you, you could have just had it. Um, um, and uh, one, here's a big, the the definition of nitpick. My one real nitpick for it being a monster verse was that their reference point for other things going on in the universe were always the same thing. It was always either the Mutos or Skull Island, which, listen, I love Kong. I love Skull Island. But every time they had to talk about any, it was like any opportunity that there was for an Easter egg, they just kept on bringing up Skull, Skull Island. Island. Yeah. And I thought, like, man, like, like, Again, I, maybe it's a rights thing, but it would have been nice if you could have like hinted to other stuff, like maybe mention Birth Island or or Infant Island or something
0: like that. Like, so I the
1: definition of a nitpick. Okay.
0: Like if that's it, then I got two more things to talk about. Oh yeah, go ahead. Uh the ending. Last shot. On Godzilla 2000s levels of awesome. Yeah. It's so get, go, go Godzilla has defeated King Kidora. And all the other monsters have converged onto Boston thanks to, to Millie Bobby Brown thanks to 11 mm-hmm. and who was in stranger things who was in stranger things um, and Godzilla takes a look and he's got his you know his little anger scowl on his face mm-hmm. and like all the other monsters bow to him he does his big roar. Cut to the title like that's how you end the movie just the wide again, shot like, of all the animals I'm always, bowing I'm always down like to movies like they get this thing where they have to like the wrap up the characters or something like that they have to show like okay how are the the world's like you know how these characters are moving on no it's just it's about Godzilla becoming that god becoming king of the monsters that's mm-hmm. the title of the movie he come becomes a king of the monsters he does his battle cry boom right after the ending. Are the amazing credits? <laughs> I love these credits. <laughs> Explain to me why you love these credits so much. Well, because first of all, it's this weird Godzilla song. Yeah, that's like better than the one at the end of '98. Uh-huh. Like, still kind of a rap rock thing. Like, I don't. I
1: Apparently, don't... that's like a famous. This is like a famous rem, a, a mix of like a. Another famous song about Godzilla. Yeah, so yeah, like, like Blue was, Oyster, I want to say. It, oh yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, Blue Oyster Cult's Godzilla song. Yeah, I, I didn't even make that connection.
1: Yeah, that well, it's a remix of that. I yeah, think. but yeah. it's still
0: like it still works. But I just loved how much like exposition they gave us over the course of these credits of like because basically the credits are a bunch of newspaper headlines, internet site headlines, and like kind of footage of just like where the world is at now that this has happened. And what do we learn over the credits? We learn that another Mothra hag has possibly been discovered. Mm-hmm. We discover that all the Titans are converging onto Skull Island and that Monarch has basically released all their information that they have on the Titans, that they've basically gone public on it, that basically everybody- Like, they
1: report where Rodan is nesting and, like, what... like. Things like, and then like the exploits of like the of the monsters being like, oh, like uh, fourteen different species are no longer endangered. Like, and it's just, a, just it's like it's so de- like forest blooms in the Sahara Desert. It's so goofy and metal. Like I was explaining yeah, to you today, awesome. like you just expect it to like turn it into like Godzilla and company, like knocking down the doors of Congress and like we got this, putting on
0: sunglasses. It's
1: like Godzilla. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, 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 um, so, it's um, awesome.
0: But of course, and at the very end, we we get a little bit of a tease, of course, of a movie we know that's coming out next yes. year. Which is another movie we will actually get to talk about over the course of the podcast yes. because that movie does come out before Tomb bomb mm-hmm. 25, and that's Kong versus Godzilla. I have one thing to say about Kong versus oh i got two things to Well, say. we
1: also and then real quick uh post-credit scene uh charles Dance and company uh have a godora head and right because
0: earlier in the movie remember godzilla chopped off the one Ghidorah head that Ghidorah grew back but that other head still existed oh i guess that is that head yeah. oh i just i just put that together yeah oh okay cool mm-hmm. oh that works yeah
1: um so i take that as they're gonna make a mecha godora which would be crazy uh, to and adapt.
0: us and all i have to say is do it you cowards yes legendary so, i love you just two do things it. One, I still, after this movie, I still legitimately think that the next thing you have to bring into this universe from the Godzilla side of things is a Mecha Godzilla. It's the most famous thing that they've never done with these American movies now that they've had these three monsters. And I feel like there is an easy route that even though, like, okay, now we kind of like these monsters, there's still that government thing where they're like, oh, we'll build a Mecha Godzilla or something to that extent. Mm-hmm. Two, about Kong. I know we'll probably discuss a lot more when we hit more information about the movie. But from my perspective, if the if if 2014's 54 and if this one's the Hazy era, what I think Godzilla versus Kong needs to be is kind of that knockdown drag-out brawl of like something from the Showa era. Like mm-hmm. I think it needs to be like the original King Kong versus Godzilla or like the the first Mechagodzilla movie where it's just like they're just like basically going blow for blow. Yeah, Because like That's the one thing coming out of this movie, and I think we even knew this going into it with all the trailers and stuff. Was like, how do you follow this one up Mm -hmm. with Kong versus Godzilla when we just had like the villain of villains in Ghidorah Mm -hmm. and this thing that kicked Godzilla's ass for most of the movie? How do you do? How do you put Kong in that perspective? And I do think it is just making it like the crazy fight, like it is the fight where like you know. Kong sticks a tree down Godzilla's throat, or something Mm -hmm. like that, or like, or like, whacks him with like, picks up like a, like a stone building and just whacks him or something. Like it needs to be that kind of show of craziness. So that's what I'll be looking for.
1: I I definitely agree. And uh, my my only guess with uh Kong Skull Island, because I did think it was interesting that they kind of hint that like everybody's converging on there. Uh, my guess would be that Skull Island becomes
0: Monster Island. Yeah. I mean, mean, then that, but that makes complete sense. Yeah. Especially because there's already monsters that live there. It's connected to the Hollow Earth thing. Yeah. Also, Legendary, I know you're listening to our review because you really care. Put Jet Jaguar in the next one. <laughs> Do it, you cowards. <laughs> Mecha Godzilla, uh, Mecha King Ghidorah, Jet Jaguar. Big robot monster battle with Godzilla as well.
1: I agree. Um, Nick, I, I was very much looking forward into this dissection and this deep dive on this movie. And as far as I'm concerned, it it did not, uh, this, this episode did not disappoint in dissecting it. I think like you have helped me. Like I, I am very favorable towards this movie. We both enjoyed it um and i think that both of us have actually and the reason we do this is i think both of us have uncovered even more layers uh that i think people may be taking for granted about this movie while also being honest and respectful to some of the shortcomings we think it had but ultimately i think that uh i don't want to speak for you you can disagree if you want but i think we walked out uh, uh uh enjoying ourselves and uh enjoying this new addition to the uh to the uh franchise I agree. All right. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much uh, for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, and if you enjoyed this episode and you're new because like this movie just came out, uh, go back and listen to some of our other episodes. We have some big news coming out this week. Uh, uh, like and, and we, subscribe. We're
0: going to have a great episode coming out this week. A couple good episodes coming out this month, I think. Yeah,
1: I think so. Um, all right. So uh, this is an official episode. This may be new people. Do you want to give plugs?
0: Yeah, sure. Let's do the plugs.
1: All right. You got upon it. Gmail.
0: <laughs> well, you, it was like expecting like a little cartoon character. It's like, yeah, plugs. Um, bonzilla at gmail.com for those of you that are new we're still waiting for emails about space jam i forgot the original context about space jam that we wanted emails about i
1: think it was like what they called the energy that was yeah like the turn the imps into basketball players yeah. i think it was like that yeah what was it called you the can, stuff yes yeah <laughs> yeah, That's not some, the stuff. yeah something like so you,
0: that. Can, you can go back to other episodes and then email us about space jam uh you can find us on twitter bonzilla um 007 at BonzillaPod pod 007 you can find us on facebook facebook.com slash BonzillaPod double 00... no that's not it <laughs> bonzilla 007 that's it okay. yes so yeah. twitter.com slash bonzilla 007 <laughs> facebook.com slash bonzilla 007 like and subscribe, iTunes and SoundCloud. Leave a rating and review if you do like our stuff. Um, we are still having a lot of fun with this, yeah. and we're still going to have a lot of fun throughout the year. Ultimately, I also find that you can probably just
1: search up the Bonzilla podcast, and it'll take you where you need to go. Yeah, it's a red logo, ladies and gentlemen. It and is. You'll find it.
0: Also, what's really nice about if you're just joining us is that we have caught up with the Bond uh, franchise, so you can basically listen to our entire thoughts on all 24 yeah. mainline Bond movies. Um, and, and the next time you uh, get a notification, if you follow us or you know subscribe to us, it's gonna be the unofficial Bond movie Casino Royale, nineteen sixty-seven. I'm very much looking forward to that one.
1: Awesome. All right, Nick. Uh, king of the monsters, a king has been crowned. Right? Is that what you yeah. has? how you say it? Um, and uh, long live the king, my friend. No, this isn't the Lion King remake. No, no, it's like this
0: is. It, it's for the king because he's the king of the monsters. Yeah. Yeah. Long. Okay. <laughs> That can you should just end this episode with the with the Lion King quote. Long live the king. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Bye bye.